0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Creative Riding, the motorcycle podcast that brings you two-wheel topics from around the globe. Tonight's show is brought to you by our supporters on Patreon. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, go to www.patreon.com forward slash creative writing to find out more. Now, to our regularly scheduled show show. Wiggins, Mr. Wiggins, paging Mr. Wiggins. What up? What up? What up? <laughs> this is Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast episode number. Do you know it? One fifty-five. You are one hundred percent absolutely correct, my friend. All right, let's get into some crappy intro music, and we'll be right back after the break. I bet you 100% that they are making Christmas uh, awards. Uh, they do a little party every year. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 155 the Creative Writing Motor Stinky Podcast. Uh, I am your host, Ben Forth Mandalay, and across from me is the one, the only, the grassroots hooligan. Vote for him in 2020, folks. Christopher Wiggins. I don't even know, is it Christopher or is it Topher? We had this whole conversation on the way up to Well Topher would be short for Christopher. Yeah, I know. But it's actually Christopher. Yeah, we we had a pretty rad conversation to and from our destination this weekend. Uh we'll get into that in a little bit. Buddy, are you excited as I am for tonight's uh last the last week of the suspension challenge? I don't know if I'm excited. For the challenge, or excited for it to be over? (laughs) Yeah, I know.
1: I've I feel like I've failed this challenge. I've I've let (laughs) down you and the listeners. Listen, man,
0: that I don't get that
1: excited about suspension.
0: I, uh, you know what? But it's one of the most important parts of a bike. It's one of the most black magicy things. It is very true. Yeah,
1: that is is very true.
0: Suspension and carbs, and uh, once you get up to the certain level of. Uh, like gp racing i'm sure tires are the next thing that you could just go all crazy for i mean you know i bet to me tires are more important than suspension yeah
1: i just mean like the black magic of it all oh for sure yeah Uh, there was a whole It's funny you know i haven't heard it at brady's track days probably because a lot of the like hardcore guys there run like old continentals or new but you know for weird sizes but you go to like track days and guys are like oh you know I tried the Dunlops, but I really like the Michelins because they, they turn in better because of the profile of the rear tire. It's a little bit more peaky in the middle. And I, and I just want to be like, shut the fuck up. You're in B group. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, like- A, that, and B, uh, it don't matter. As MotoGP has proven, like it could be the top of the line tire and still blow apart on you.
1: Well, I, for them it does matter, but I don't know. I, mean, I run Bridgestones, and the the reason is – when I moved to California and I bought an RC51, I put a new set of tires on it and the B016s that just came out and they were like 3 compound rear and 2 compound front and uh I I liked them. Like I never had them slip and move around and do anything weird. Um how many how many
0: compound fractures? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, and they wore like the wore, the wear life was was good, but they also felt good. I had them on a track and they felt good. Um, so the Ducati got the new version, the S21s, and then the Buell and the, um, RC got a step up the, uh, RS10s, I think. But that's the only reason I run Bridgestones is because when I did put a set on, I was like, huh, these feel okay. So I just keep buying them.
0: Yeah. I know. And we've talked before about having preferences and then having it be just a total whatever you're comfortable with and whatever you're willing to press on or, you know, push yourself on, more power to you. Cause I've seen some dudes rip around on uh, no name tires and do better than guys that are on like the Battleaxe or the Pirelli Scorpos yeah, or whatever the I hell. I
1: think too, the tire technology in, in just the last 10 and 15 and 20 years has just gotten so so much better um because i got my first sport bike almost 20 years ago now how old am i yeah kind of close so
0: damn when hey when i got my first bike we were literally- They had like steel belts, yeah, they were, steel rims. It was leather. It was animal skins <laughs> wrapped around the wood. And, and then eventually they went down to uh, when ships were invented and they, the shipping uh, routes were invented, they, um, they went down to uh, South America and were hacking up rubber trees. And you just had rubber tree bark around. Mm. Yeah. So- And then, um, but yeah, so
1: because- so when I first got a sport bike, like I remember- just the tires weren't nearly as good. Hey, you know? did, and, did we ever go over, Was what was your first bike? Was it a sport bike? My first street legal bike was. Huh. My first little kid bike was a JR50. Yeah. Then I had a uh, MR50. The uh, Mr. 50. Yeah, I had a Mr. 50 for a while. Is that Suzuki? Wait, that MR? was a Honda too. Oh, okay. But it was a two-stroke yeah, with is. a clutch. It was a 70 four i believe Mm -hmm. and um sean mad dog mcconnell actually has one as a pit bike it's kind of crazy to see yeah (laughs) um and then i never really my parents got divorced and then some other family stuff and so i never really had anything for a long time i had like a buddy's little 80 that i rode very little um i had a three-wheeler still and then uh i had a 250r three-wheeler for a while and then um that was it. And then so nothing from like 14, 15. And then uh, when I was 19, got a CBR 900RR. Radical. Yeah, I really tested out the Darwinism and uh, I survived. So, you know, I, I'm a <laughs> stronger person because of it, yeah. I guess.
2: <laughs> you are a pirate.
0: <laughs> I don't know if I'm a pirate but <laughs> well, that's a cool sound clip it's to, be, to be determined yeah man that's a I, I was just thinking like everybody that's ever come on the show and that we always talk to I'll say what's your first bike and I was like I don't know if I've asked you yeah. which by the way thank you for the page like on Facebook today everyone Wiggins uh, giving us the, the um, old uh, yes thank you everyone thank you wait
1: There's way more to that story than you just let on. Wait, what? I was like an administrator, and then you kicked me off of that. Oh, I didn't. And I didn't realize
0: that when you kicked me off, I was no longer like following it. Oh, really? Oh, no. Because there's like five people that used to have page rights. Something happened with the, um, yeah, something happened to the Facebook privacy thing. They upgraded something, and I had to go in and it reset everything. So if you were a page admin, you know who you were. Uh, hit me up cuz if Wiggins is saying this nobody else has ever mentioned oh, dude, it to this me. was like i just thought you didn't want me to be an admin and oh, i was no. like oh whatever it's facebook i don't no, really care like it was that's like, not my platform it was so. the <laughs> advertising thing that uh, uh, okay. something happened and it reset or I, yeah, yeah. it made me reset all the stuff so oh let me know i yeah, can add just, you back so on. i didn't know that i wasn't
1: following it and then you had me try to look at something that i couldn't find huh and then that's one of the reasons i hate facebook too it's like I couldn't find that post he sent me, yeah, um, so I was like I'm not
0: like I don't like this, so I was like, whatever, so I liked it, <laughs> okay, all right, people from uh um there's some people from Wisconsin that used to be page admins and and editors as well, as well as uh field producer bri viffer, and if you guys got booted um and it wa- did like I wonder I haven't been seeing content from other people on there when we would <laughs> post
1: on it. It would just say creative writing or did it say creative writing and who the person was? Well, it posted as creative writing, but it would tell you who from creative writing. Po- so we knew okay, cool. who posted
0: it. Well, so, I yeah. wanted
1: like everyone to know who would post it. No. Cause there were like, oh, that's a bummer. Cause there were, I remember like conversations where you would say something and someone would say something and I would like fill in some info. Yeah. But that other person has no idea. Yeah. I know that it's two different people. Yeah.
0: I know that was the good part about it. And they probably it- thought you were horrible at spelling. Well, yeah, and I post it from two different accounts, and I don't want anybody to know either one. So uh, <laughs> so you could see who it was for sure. It would say, yeah. Oh, okay. I don't know.
1: It wouldn't say junk Fourth Turdman. Well, I couldn't see who it was because it booted
0: me off of admin. Yeah. Well, I'm putting you back on, and I'm putting everybody back on that was on there before. That's so much
1: responsibility.
0: I'm have to. i have to see what settings got reset when all that ad crap went through. I had to. I had to like reset a bunch of stuff. So and it keeps trying to get me to buy ads for my
1: two like different pages. Yeah, and I'm like
0: no, I don't want to
1: pay for people to see that.
0: I think that's what happened. I think uh, I put an ad or something or somebody. I put an ad and then it started charging me like $4 every time somebody clicked on a link. And I was like, holy shit, like don't do that. Because then everyone's like, hey, what's this link? Click, 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 click. And I wonder like, if I can attach your credit card to, uh, yeah, no, to my other. No. <laughs> that, that was the problem. So I, uh, that's what it was. And it made me reset all the accounts so that it couldn't be advertised from. That's what mm-hmm. it was. So okay. I, I might have had to like assign you as an administrator so that it couldn't. Maybe ad or some do sure. ads or some shit. I forget what it was. I'll put them all back. All you guys that are on there, because uh, I think it should be figured out. So I'm not very active on my. Um, yeah,
1: I I don't know what to call those groups, but yeah, I have a racing one and one for knives, and I I just
0: I have them just to have them, but yeah. I don't really use them. Uh, I have a feeling that in the future, because um, I used to be really into music. About for about the last eight years, I was really into like self publishing music and stuff. I was like going to go for it. I, I might still. But um, there was a lot of people, if you wanted to be signed as a band, they would say, well, we need to see your MySpace page. And the people in the music industry were cracking up, but they're like, but it's legit. Like you have to have a MySpace page for any of these people in this certain industry to look at you because they are so behind the times. They don't even know what Facebook is. They're telling you, you you're like, I have an Instagram, I have a MySpace, you know, Facebook, and they're wondering where your MySpace is. And they're like, is MySpace even around still? But that's what these executives are looking for. So it tells you how far behind the times people are. Um, and especially the ones using Facebook. No, I'm just kidding, everybody. <laughs> Go check out a Facebook page. I can share and post a lot of stuff from other accounts there, which you can't really um, do certain things from uh, from Instagram. It's a little bit harder, too. Yeah,
1: and I just... Um I can't, I don't think I can post directly there for my Instagram. Which yeah, sucks. you got to link a bunch of stuff that yeah, way too. I, I have to, I probably have to unlink my regular Facebook and then link that. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah. I just, just figured out this week that I can share a video directly to one of those pages. Yeah. So that was cool. Was hey, pretty funny video on my Wiggins Racing if you guys want to check it out. On
0: your Facebook? Yeah. Yeah. See, I could probably look at it. And share it as long as it's a public post. I could share it to the. I Facebook think it page, was yeah. So, okay, yeah. So that, uh, that'll be
1: easy enough. I don't. I saw it on someone's page and I posted it on that one. Yeah. I want to post it on the Instagrams. but yeah. I don't know how to save it from Facebook to
0: post. Yeah. It there. Facebook owns Instagram, so there's there's I'm sure an API that does all that. But dude, linking all that stuff up, letting letting Cambridge yeah, right? Analytica now steal all your Instagram stuff too is just going to be awesome. Um, but what I was going to say is that. Uh, did you listen to last week's show? No. We cut out on last week's show. Remember the battery went dead? Yeah. And it almost went dead again at the track. I was uh, yeah. really pissed. Um, Why is that thing blowing through batteries? Turns out uh, there might be a little kid that's been playing on my recorder and oh. leaving it on. Oh. And may have snuck something into last week's episode. A little short episode of her own <laughs> into last week's episode. And so when Daddy and Chris are out here recording in the garage, uh, the battery's halfway dead. And then... Yeah, but the second set of batteries that were at the track, though, why did dude, they Dude, I don't know why like? that went down so low. Oh, mm-hmm. because I was running Wi-Fi to my phone is why. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, that went through that pretty fast. I, wanna, I didn't bring my can, so I wanted to be able to monitor people. But um, whoops, I guess we kind of gave it away. We were – I did something this weekend, Chris, that I – I did something that took me out of my comfort zone and did a new – you know, you're kind of like – You look pretty comfortable though. Well, hang on. Something I've never done before. I was in a classroom, so to speak, and uh, I got certified to be an AYSO referee on Saturday. (laughs) So now I'm, I'm an official regional assistant ref right now. And uh, can be a referee soon, you know. Doing new things that are crazy that you have never done before really supposedly br- builds up your amygdala. And uh, having done that, uh, I think it perfectly prepared me for Sunday, which was uh, we. W- I accompanied Wiggins, and I noticed that nobody else was out there that we that listens to the show. Uh, we went out someplace. Why don't you tell them where we went? Because it was it's it kind was, of the same was, place I go all the time. It was mostly for you, yeah. I know. Uh, we went to Big
1: Willow mm-hmm. Willow Springs Raceway with classic track days, Ramming Speed Racing. Our old pal, Smooth Talker Brady Walker, Man.
0: dad jokes for days and bad jokes for days. He was he was on it this weekend. He was, yeah, it was. But um, yeah, you know what? I it was really really cool. As if people couldn't tell by our probably Instagrams and Facebook stuff mm-hmm. but you know here's the funny thing i took a lot of footage with our new patron sponsored uh, camera stabilizer out there and i'm going to mm-hmm. try and put that up make it actually probably make a youtube vid i haven't been in my youtube editor for a i while. have to figure out that 360 cam too oh yeah i tried to get the gopro
1: said the memory card was full i think i have another memory card i mean yes obviously i can take stuff off that one but i don't think that's the good one yeah. i was having problems when i first got the gopro like sd card error I'm like, well, that's fucked up. And I bought a brand new card and it worked fine. I think it was just an old card, but I had like five of them. Yeah. They were all old, whatever. Um, But we should have some cool 360 videos Rad. if we can figure out how to edit them. And um, I they don't really need much editing. They just probably shortened a little bit. So yeah. they're not like a 10 minute video of boring. Yeah. Um, And then hopefully they post so they can use them and spin them.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you do it on YouTube, you should be able to because YouTube yeah. supports that uh, technology. Yeah, I don't know if Instagrams
1: does or not. Yeah, YouTube they probably did, they probably haven't paid Instagram enough money to support it for them.
0: I don't. Is four K the is four K that technology that you can spin the stuff around? Four K, I think, or is, is a that resolution? just a resolution? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. So uh, there was somebody that I used to watch on YouTube that posted in four K, but also used one of those crazy cams so that mm. you could actually take his live or Mm-hmm. Re- pre-recorded videos and spin them around and look at the stuff that he was talking about in his garage he had it set up literally in the center yeah and he would talk about stuff and you could look around his garage and look at it so yeah we should figure that out that'd be fun Well, we and definitely then, got some videos we did some yeah um, on the rc51 which i think i was
1: too low behind the windscreen it doesn't look as good as i was hoping oh. but whatever
0: we can post it anyway yeah and hey, it's a 360 cam. They can turn around and look out the side and see what it looks like. To- they can watch me get passed by an SV650. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get passed? I saw a yeah, guy passing. That kid me, was ripping. I didn't know what he was on. The blue one? Was it blue? Uh, I think it had a blue tail maybe and yeah. a primer front. Oh, okay. Firing. Yeah, I saw some dude that was ripping by and I it seemed yeah. like he was I uh, uh, I wasn't really ripping that well on Sunday. Yeah. So it, I, dude, I was having fun, but I just wasn't. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the conditions first of all. It was cold, and they mentioned it in the riders' meeting about three or four times. How it war- cold. Yeah, it was.
1: but it warmed up enough, and the yeah. tires got warm enough. Yeah. I was just – honestly, that bike is so much – it's probably only like 15 horse, but it's so much faster than the Ducati. Uh-huh. Um,
0: it's more and, than 15 horse. I can tell you that much. <laughs> you mean more. Yeah. Oh, yeah. really?
1: It's only that much more, huh? might be a little more. Huh. The duck was around 100, 100 to 105, right. yeah, okay, something like that. And, yeah, I guess this is 120 or something at the, okay. gr- at the ground. I don't know what the duck actually was at the ground. I think it was around 100 at the ground.
0: Yeah. Sounds, um, sounds
1: legit. But the RC just pulls a lot harder, especially in the higher revs. Um, revs a lot more. Um, so I was uh, – basically I
0: was kind of scared. <laughs> <laughs> it was so crazy watching some of the group one guys, like – Holy shit. Your buddy that was pitted next to us, um, he was like, you know, I'm I'm doing about 130 when I look down at the end of the front straight there before I get on the brakes for turn one. He's like, those guys are doing like 170 right here. And I was like, holy Depending shit. what bike they're on, yeah, there's a couple. Dude, there was some rippers.
1: Yeah, on the more modern bikes. My duck, I was doing about a 130 there.
0: Um, on the RC, I don't know. Yeah. there were, One was, of those guys was on a... A duck, one of them was on like an R1. I swear it was a, it might have not been, maybe it was a Zuko.
1: And there was actually a fast dude on an, a faster dude than me on an RC too. That yeah. red one. Yeah, oh, that and red, red white and white guy. Yeah,
0: dude, that he was pitted right behind us, right? Yeah, that yeah, guy, yeah. No, he was so fast. And he was saying that that was his second one as well. He's like, turn nine or turn eight claimed my previous one yeah (laughs) yeah high sighted and cartwheel that's a fast um,
1: corner to high sight on too it was funny the guy from apex assassins came over he followed me a couple laps and he was like yeah and he started talking to me and i was like i was kind of scared and turn nine he goes that's what i was gonna say but he's like i could tell turn nine is just and a lot of people like i think a lot of it's the hype too Mm -hmm. they're like stay wide stay wide but it's a decreasing radius so be careful yeah (laughs) because you'll run off the track yeah so i kept just kind of being in the middle of the track when I should have been up high. Um, but I, yeah, Sunday wasn't about lap times for me. It was just about getting comfortable on that bike, making sure the bike felt good. Um, I never really got a lot of heat in the front brakes, and I was
0: even getting on them pretty hard. Um, I uh, hope it's I didn't glaze
1: the pads over, but I can check. Yeah,
0: it's because that track, I've talked to, you know, my friends that race Arma there are telling me what a tire consumer that track is. Yeah. But like, you only touch the brakes and two spots that's the things is it yeah I'm, i was thinking maybe your brake didn't really get heated up very well because yeah it's a pretty if yeah. you do it right it's pretty well a wide open track you know it's not
1: necessarily what actually you hit it into two too but um it's not really wide open everywhere but there's just no there's not a lot of corners that mm-hmm. is hard braking zones mm-hmm. i guess you also hit it into five Whatever. But yeah, you hit it into one at the end of the front straight away. For sure. There, But one's actually banked a little bit. So yeah. you don't really – Yeah, you hit them hard just because you're going so fast. But I would go from fifth to third. Yeah. And then I would stay in third all around two. And you'd hit the brakes a little bit into two. Um, then I would downshift to second up to three, which is like – and then goes up the hill. So you don't really need the brakes into four. Yeah. You'd use them into f- uh, six a little bit. Because there's like a downhill.
0: Yeah, I was going to say that downhill might be someplace where you could trail break through it if you did it right.
1: Yeah, yeah. this the hard part about that one, to me, the downhill is part of it. But all through four and five, it's like a washboard section. It's just super rough up there. So the bike's like kind of bouncing around. Like even you said that, like you watch me go around one time and you're like, the bike looks like it got upset. And you could kind of hear the throttle come off. Yeah. And it's only like a 40, 50 mile an hour section, I think, at the most. I think for me it was probably less. But – um, yeah, and
0: then you're not supposed to hit it into eight, but I was because I was scared. So <laughs> uh, it's a crazy – I mean, that one's crazy too. And then turn nine coming back onto the front straight <laughs> is super decreasing. And even on Spamala, I – I took Spamla out on the track and got up to probably 85 miles an hour because that was about as fast as you <laughs> would It's kind go. of funny though. You went full tuck and passed Dude, the guy. I had to to pass him. I, it took me the whole straightaway to pass he him. He was probably like quarter
1: throttle. He like, was what's this guy up,
0: doing? He was sitting up like cruising. Like, yeah. I mean, and that's basically what it was like. It was like a cruise yeah. through Angeles Crest. It wasn't as exciting as Angeles Crest because on Angeles Crest, it's twistier. Yeah. and and uh, In some parts. Well, you know? and
1: it's crazy. You realize- how a track is designed differently than a road like mm-hmm. it, it's so you know especially after i drove on it but i, I even before i did a lot of like research on nurberg ring and it's crazy because it's a track but it's compared to roads and people are like one lap there because of your speeds and everything it's like a hundred you know the 10 miles there is like a 100 miles on the car yeah um but when you go to willow you can tell that it's not designed like a road because it's not 12 miles long through the mountains yeah um so just the way the corners are wide and banks and stuff like that and it's crazy because like you said like you're you're going pretty fast but you don't feel like it because of how it's designed but it was cool so what unless i guess you want to tell them what you like what that what that is or and then how you liked it or whatever
0: uh yeah so I heard about it on the Shred Show, and our buddies from Jiffy Tune and, uh, you know, 27 Cycles were there, actually. So they had a whole crew of Harley dudes there, again. Uh, I think there was about five Harleys there, or six, maybe. I think uh, only four, and one was a Bolt. No, no, no. There were
1: five, and one was a Bolt. Okay.
0: So, yeah, because Tony had— or. Eric had two, right? And Tony had one. And well, then their buddy okay, had yeah. One. I, and that's true. Eric
1: did have two. Yeah. So there was. I guess it was five. Eric having two. Tony having his soft tail. There was the dude on the Frank and Diner, whatever he calls it. And then the dude on the FXR, uh, yeah. Joker, and I'm going to lose his name right now, Joker1911, who crashed. Number
0: 720. Yeah. I got that on video, by the way. And if I can get around to making this YouTube uh, of our trip, I'll put that in there. <laughs>
1: and then there was. Um, <clears throat> the guy in the Bolt. The Bolt, okay. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, there was a pretty and good... And there was
1: actually a um,
0: Ducati du, duvel or whatever. Oh, yeah,
1: that diavel was there. Yeah, I didn't, see, I didn't see how he did. Um, he was in, he the... was in the slow group, though, wasn't he? No, I think he was in group two. No, nah, I think I would have saw. I think he, he went out different times than I did. Oh, so. okay, yeah, yeah. he must have been in group three then. Yeah, So and then yeah. I think he left before he moved up to group one.
0: Yeah, okay, so, yeah, he was... Uh, Probably because you know, I think he was there with the Buell guy that was pitted next to us, so yeah, it was fun. And then, uh, so I heard about it on Tony's show where, where, uh, sweet talker Brady Walker, um, gave a $20 taste of the track. And I even love how Brady said it sort of like that before he did his little <laughs> <laughs> get a little taste out there, buddy. And, uh, what they do is they let you go out on a lead lap, but I wouldn't say it's like, it was even faster than the laps that they were given the group 3 guys as sighting laps it was just like a cruise through the it was like a cruise through the mountains basically at a pretty good pace i mean if we're doing 85 on the front straight that's a, a far cry from 120 but uh only by what like you know 30 40 miles an hour right um, so it it's wasn't crazy though. The speed difference between well, yeah, 85, I, and I know, <laughs> but at least he wasn't doing 60 down the straight, you know, yeah, yeah, like yeah. at least we were doing a little bit faster than freeway speeds and then through the corners and stuff, it was good. I mean, I, it would have been fun to go faster, but I know that's not what it's about. And if you want to go faster, uh, do the track day. Right. So it was like a, it was like a pretty good cruise through the, uh, the things and i'm glad it wasn't any faster because uh i have not been on that track on a bike before so and it's been a very very i mean we're talking like over a decade since i've even been on it on a car so it was a long time ago um, i think it's been over like 15 years since i've been in a car so it's been a while and so it was kind of fun to get back out there um and actually ride it and i think i've mentioned before on the show i've been on the track but not like track day yeah. style thing so um we just rode around and goofed around. It's really cool. So what he does, it's 20 bucks, like you said. Yeah. It was three laps. Three laps. And you don't need full gear. You know what? Nobody else even had to tape up their lights. I did because I was like, well, I, I don't, I don't want to, like, not be able to go out there on this thing. But none of the other guys even taped up their lights. Yeah. So the idea
1: is, um, and I know the last one some guys rode up from, um, what's the
0: community garage in Eagle Rock? Oh, uh, the ones that were there? I don't know if they were there this oh, time. Oh, no. It's not Moto Chop Shop. Their, Moto Chop Shop was there. Yeah, no, the it's, other uh, one in
1: Eagle Rock. Yeah.
0: Moto Republic. Moto Republic, yeah. So the Moto Republic took a few bikes
1: up, and then he had some guys, like they, some dudes rode up um, just on whatever, and uh, so they, like if they didn't do the track day and they just wanted to ride up, it's still 10 bucks to get in the gate, um, but it's kind of fun to watch too. Yeah. You know, it's not a race, but it's still fun to watch.
0: Yeah. Um, the only rule was don't pass the leader, and so. Cool. Yeah. that was the that's why i I passed two guys actually if you think about it though that rules only good on the first two laps yeah
1: if you pass a leader on the third lap what's he gonna do kick you off the track
0: he'll have to catch you first <laughs> because he's getting off with everybody <laughs> I, didn't mean, I didn't mean pass him on the front stretch on the last lap but okay yeah. um
1: but yeah so you don't need full gear you don't even really need your bike that you know, I don't even, they probably didn't take anything. Nope. Um, I dripped oil all over that thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's why the guy went down yeah. right after that. Yeah. Um, so it's a cool experience for someone that either a, they want to do some track days, you know, they're like, Oh, I don't know though. I kind of want to, well, it gets them on and gets in a little bit of like, this is cool. Like it's a cool view. Like, Going around four, not that you, like, look around a lot, but it's kind of cool to go, like, you're up on top that hill. Yeah,
0: it's it's high. I was wondering uh, if Spamla would make it. It's kind of, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem like it until you're on it, and you're like, oh, damn, wow. Yeah, I um, remember it being high, but I couldn't remember how high, and then when I was going up, I was like, oh, I mean, it's not. Yeah, yeah. I was like, you know, she does Angela's Crest, she does Azusa. She should be fine up the friggin' Omega. It's not like, you know, <laughs> um, it's not like it's vertical.
1: And then the other group of people that it's good for is maybe you have zero desire to actually do a track day. But you just want to get on a track, yeah. You know, like I. It's a little more legendary, but actually, Willow's pretty fucking rad when you oh, start looking dude, at the, the history.
0: Fastest road in the West, and it is. It has a huge history. That
1: well, I was just saying, like I got to drive on Nurburg, yeah, on the Nordschleife of Nurburg Ring, and it's like it's it's so cool that it's like opened up for that. yeah. And it's it's considered a public road and stuff. You still can't pass on the left. Blah, blah, blah. We but, also had
0: a good conversation about that on the way up to the Willow. Yeah,
1: right? <laughs> um, but you're like, so you're on that track where so much crazy stuff has happened. Mm-hmm. So many races have been there and Formula One and, and you go to Willow and it's it's a different history. I'm not going to say actually that it's even less. Like I was watching Carol Shelby videos and um, they're testing the GT350 at Willow. I mean they did a lot in Riverside because that's where they were at at the time. And, uh, you know, Riverside was open.
0: I was going to say it's one of the few ones that's still uh, in operation from yeah. like the 50s. And you think of the, uh, the Shelby
1: Daytona Coupe that won the world championship, right? I don't think it won Le Mans. It won the world championship. Um, yeah. They only built six of them. They were tested there. Um, I'm sure the GT40 spent a lot of time there being tested because Carroll Shelby had a lot to do with developing that. Not to mention countless other car builders, countless other race teams. You know, like it, it's crazy. You know, and a lot of races. Like I've watched. I've watched a couple of times now, just because. But um, and they they don't have the full season or it every year, but they have uh, the 2000 AMA Superbike race there. Mm-hmm. With Nikki Hayden on an RC 51, and they have the 1999 when he's still on an RC 45. Yeah. So it's like, it's super cool to watch that.
0: Yeah. Some of the, uh, when I was racing with uh, SCCA and NASA, some of the back in the day when Speed Vision was a channel mm-hmm. and they would have the Speed Vision like pro races, they would mm-hmm. be at Button Willow and then they'd come mm-hmm. down to Willow Springs. And yeah, the SCCA, what used to be like the AMA for cars, kind of, yeah, uh, would race all of their you know races out there. It's it's a great track. A lot of commercials are shot out there. There's a lot of that too. The streets they use for commercials and Horse Thief and Horse Thief is another one. And even the balcony, I see the balcony a lot. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: Great, great vantage
0: point. It's it's a whole lot of fun. These events, like Brady Walker's, he was joking around later. at one point, about like how they text stuff. My my friends Pat and Carrie there. The the whole reason why I started creative writing and called it creative writing, but I've never got them on uh, tape yet, on on you know recorded uh, evidence yet. They were there, and uh, Pat had just made a take a old uh, nine hundred SS, and he m- built the whole. The whole thing around the motor he had the motor it had been crashed so he built the whole bike around it which is what he did with his like rotax powered honda f- frame thing too he b- built the whole frame did all the fiberglass and everything so he built this carbon fiber tank and it was like uh weeping gas at one point like in turn so he's like you know over tech, you just kind of roll through with your hand over the mm-hmm. – <laughs> so it's cracking up. And uh, so it's real loose, but it's not unsafe. Everybody's a racer. Nobody wants to eat it. So, And everybody yeah. races. Like he's he races that bike during the season. So, I mean, it's not – to say it's like wouldn't pass tech is a total falsity. But uh, I'm just saying that he, that even they crack up about the little stuff. Yeah, yeah. But, you know. Brady's like, yeah, you know, we tell you to put some tape here or there or like do, you know, wrap a rag around it <laughs> so it doesn't leak while you're out on track. You know, yep. it's like super loose. There was only three crashes, I think, that during the day. and uh, They were all kind of like one after another, too. Yeah, the funny thing was is that the one where you were joking about about why the guy crashed there, I actually, a guy crashed, the Harley guy crashed before we, I went out. Yeah. And he was going super slow. And I was like, oh, like that's not encouraging, you know. But yeah. I think he. I think that's the
1: slowest part of the track. Right yeah.
0: Now. He was at the top of the Omega and he hit the, I think his pegs is I think why he he, he went may down. Have. He said he chopped the throttle, but who knows. Yeah. Well, I mean, doing that will upset the bike. I don't, I'm not, I'm hundred percent sure, but I know that he went down, he low sided. And then when the bike hit the gravel, it. High-sided and flipped mm-hmm. over and snapped his freaking foot peg off the other side, unfortunately. But it was really slow. He wasn't hurt. The bike was scuffed minimally. But, I mean, yeah. he was only going like— It's handlebars and foot pegs. Yeah. good again. And then the other guy that crashed on a big bike went down right after the Omega, down going into turn five— Six. six.
1: The left hand down is six. Yeah.
0: And there was—when I went he out on the track— did leave
1: a lot of oil down. Yeah. I think it landed on the left side and busted the cases— yeah, or that you know, just the cover, probably not the main case, and then it slid off and left a trail of oil. Yeah, off. and so
0: when I went out on track, there was the white yeah. little oil cleaner stuff. And but I was those like, things
1: are, yeah, those things are weird because they throw you off. But I ran over them and yeah, they're, yeah. they're yeah. total Didn't matter. sticky. Yeah, it doesn't do anything weird. Like they get it cleaned up enough, you just still see the dirt, the dust residue. Yeah, but,
0: and it's funny because that section of track isn't like super smooth blacktop. None of the track is super yeah super it's nice. got cracks so all that stuff goes down in the cracks where your tires don't go into your tires stay it's on the top
1: crazy cracks. watching the video from the 2000 race there so 18 years ago
0: yeah it was nice and smooth
1: no there's like in six there's like in the far inside there's like a foot wide section maybe a little more of like different color pavement and the crack like just follows the inside curve right. it was there
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, damn, still. Yep. At least there wasn't weeds growing. I watched, I've been (laughs) going back just a couple years to the Daytona 200, um, the year that it almost didn't happen. And they were cruising down and I swear there was like weeds growing up through some of the asphalt, you know. I know. The white pavement. Yeah. Like uh, IRP in
1: Indianapolis, uh, NHRA bought it for the drag strip and the road course is just like, it's grown up to it. Yeah. And it wasn't a road course like Willow, like that kind of legendary, but you know, around Indiana, there was a lot of stuff there. Yeah. And you know, a lot of racing happened around there and
0: dude, it's crazy because back in the day I used to go to Carlsbad. This was like in the two thousands. Um, my buddy and I would head, uh, worked at the body shop with me and he had a really sweet Fox body and we'd go up to Carlsbad and my boss would always be talking about it. Cause they would race motocross up there. Well, we were, I wasn't into motorcycles yet. So we were doing the drag strip, but that motorcycle or the motocross track is where super bikers was filmed in the eighties. Mm, and, yeah, it, yeah. and they had a whole, they still would have GPs up there up in, until the two thousands when, uh, when they finally closed it and, going through the pits there where people were pitting up for the drag strip, I did not realize that that was an old IMSA and uh, SCCA um, road course. And I looked at pictures from like the 60s and 70s, and it didn't dilapidate until like the 80s and 90s when they quit road racing there. And then you would see like, oh, I look up the hill, and you can see some tires out there in the sagebrush, you know, that had grown up, and you can still see some you know, it takes a quite a while for, um, pavement to actually get taken back by the grass. So you could kind of see like, oh yeah, look, there's like a turn up there. There's like a crazy horseshoe at the top of the hill. And it kind like, that was a legit, um, it's where they raced super bikes, the road course and yeah. the, uh, and the dirt, the dirt track and melded it back into one. And so the road course was there back in the eighties. And, um, so cool, super, super cool. And then, like, I didn't start going until like 15, 20 years later. So it was, a, or had been totally dilapidated, but it is so cool seeing stuff like that. Yeah. That one's dead. I ho- I so hope Willow stays around forever. It's it's far enough away from everything that the urban sprawl has not only that, out there far enough. When
1: I was there last time, I saw something they did that I was really smart that'll make it a lot harder to close. They have made it a historical land. Oh, boom. Yeah. Which Laguna Seca should be too. Yeah, you know, a lot of these tracks should be. I you know, I think most people listening to this obviously are the same mindset as as we are. Um, so like racing and l- motorcycles and cars are like that's cool. But what pisses me off is um people are just fucking hypocrites. Yeah. <laughs> like if your kid plays soccer, then you want soccer fields everywhere and fuck you fuck anyone else's kid. And that's just like it's a total bummer. Like you know, just so, what haven't let people
0: go race? Having become a soccer uh, ref recently over the weekend, I can f- say I would love to see a flat track around every soccer field that's out there. That'd be nice? dude. That'd yeah. be so rad. You know what, I what pisses me off is golf courses. I so wish you could oh, go trail ride golf courses everywhere. Yeah, it's a bunch of stuff. Here's the that difference, too, use. though.
1: Um, and it was funny because it's kinda uh someone had commented on my Instagram post about going about it being expensive. What does it cost to go golfing a day? Isn't it usually a hundred bucks or so? Yeah, I mean Which is a big piece of land that they groom well and whatever. Some might be more than a hundred bucks. But and this is something for everyone to think about, like, no one wants to pay to do any and I I'm guilty of it too sometimes. You know, I, I used to ride mountain bikes and it's like, oh, ten dollars to ride that trail that's ridiculous And i'm like that's why they're all getting overtaken by golf courses because golfers are like yeah we'll pay
0: yeah <laughs> you, <laughs> you know no, i never thought of that so yeah.
1: like it sucks i get it but i don't know you got to do it though like if you want them to stay around and you, and you want to go do it then sometimes you just got to bite the bullet and pay and one of the bummers with mountain biking um there were some trails you had to like buy a little day pass for which not a big deal it was like five bucks but you had to go to certain places to buy it and like if you were going to the trail at seven in the morning on sunday those places weren't open oh yeah and if you lived an hour or two away that we did how did it was super impossible to get them
0: but I'm not a very good planner, and I've been bit by that bug. Many even even to go hiking, and you need an adventure pass to park. Yeah, yeah. and I wouldn't go buy one on Friday from REI or whatever. Yeah. Still big five. Yeah, but we're
1: fortunate enough now. Like
0: here, we have the REI close, and we can go do that. But
1: where I grew up, like there was no oh yeah like shop to yeah, do yeah, that. Yeah. You know, but. Yeah, it's I I've also seen them where you're on the honor system, so you can like pull one out, fill it out, put your money in, and put it in the little thing. And if you get stopped, and they're like, "Oh, you have one, okay," and then if you didn't put money in the envelope or there's no envelope in, like they could find you. But it's it's an honor system
0: thing, which yeah.
1: is also fine because most people are just gonna pay it. You know, yeah. they're not
0: gonna. Well, yeah, and if you don't pay it, that's how stuff like you're saying goes away, goes bye bye. You don't yeah. have funding. A lot of the stuff um, is volunteer run. I know. I'm pretty sure that the ambulance to do this track day that Brady had to do, we had him on the show, and he t- told yeah. us a little bit about it. It takes a little bit of money. You have to you have yeah. to have an insurance policy. Yep. You have to pay the um, ambulance people, mm-hmm. and you have to. I don't know. Does he pay the corner workers? Or I don't know if they volunteer or what.
1: I'm sure they get paid something, mm-hmm. um, and then of course they got to pay to
0: rent the track. Yeah, and then you got to pay track rental fees. So let's just say your honor system to, to come in and race. Like that's why that doesn't work. Because you need the for uh, for as cheap and as for it a is. Race, I think, it's a different insurance policy too. How many? Yeah, how many people showed up there? It was a small number. It wasn't like it was, even 500. I don't think. I mean, it was it was like. How many people were running oh, in I each group? I was thinking group? like 40 max. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how many people were running in each group? Like 10, 15, maybe?
1: Yeah, I think the big group was about 15. Yeah. And, you
0: know, he knew in
1: December when it's cold, you get less people. Yes. The last
0: one I was at had way, way more people. Yeah. I would say there was like less than 500 people total with families and friends and everyone walking around. I mean, there was not that I'd many people. I'd say if
1: there were 40 riders, there
0: were less than 80 people total. Yeah, And so... You think of you know, and and the people
1: just walking around. Brady doesn't get anything off that. Yeah, I I don't think anyway that they share the gate with him because they don't don't know they share the gate with him. Yeah, because they don't keep track of whether the gate is a motorcycle or a car. No, so and of course Willow has streets was going. We were going. I think that was it. Sometimes they have other stuff at the
0: balcony. Oh yeah, but they they were doing that car event, Mm -hmm. that track whatever at the streets for the cars. And so yeah, they for Brady to do this event for forty fifty people uh, takes a little chunk of money. So one hundred and fifty bucks to get the whole track to yourself, basically with like ten other <laughs> yeah. riders out there with you, is not a whole lot of money. It's really not. And you know, I I don't think Brady's
1: making much money. Well, is he in the red? Yeah, I think he's profiting, but not. He's not paying his bills with it. Oh, what no. he's doing is he's taking that money and he's putting it back in to do another track day later. Yeah, because he races with the Arma guys. Yeah. And and I think he gets a lot of – so he gets a lot of his workers like the tech guys and the announcer guy. Um, they volunteer and, and when, you know one of those – like the announcer guy keeps the time and stuff going. And they volunteer and they trade off mm-hmm. so they get a ride part of the day. Yeah. So if I had to guess, like you know, they're free because it's like, oh, I'll
0: work the booth for half the day. Yeah. And then you let me ride half the day. Yeah. But and they're also really good buddies of his that help him. I think organize, especially the guy that does the um, rider coaching and stuff. He's I know I've seen him around. He's one of his like really good buddies. Yeah. And my friend Pat and Carrie are super good friends with them. And so I think that just being the racers. Um Pat and Carrie said they have not missed one of his track days so far. And the reason being is if you're a vintage racer, what other chance do you get to go out and race, you know, your R like Carrie racing her RS125? Um, where is she gonna do that? You know, she was in group one and group two, but um so were like, you know, the other RC fifty one and the R one guy and the friggin' that guy on the Aprilia and all that stuff. Like there's a lot of fast people in that group. And if you're going to a modern sport bike track day on vintage stuff, like that old coot that was huffing it around there on that Yamaha, I don't even know what that was, but it was. I think it was like a 600. Um, that Those guys, like you're not keeping up with, you're keeping out of the way of, modern sport bikes, and you don't get to, like, do your line and all that stuff all the way, where if you go to these vintage track days, they're set up for you to do that. So that was another cool thing that I thought, and that's the whole reason Brady's all about letting people take to the track, is that, yeah. like, he wants people to experience, he wants people, his friends, to have the time. And it focuses on
1: the older bikes, but, mm-hmm. you know, so if you're on a new modern bike, he's like, just don't be a dick. Mm-hmm. And the slow guys on the modern bikes are in the the B group, you uh-huh. know, the middle group, so... Yeah. And I, you know, I got to move up to the fast group, um, but at a normal track day, I still wouldn't be in a fast group. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a little bit different pace, a little
0: bit different style. There are a lot of different lines with those bikes and everything, yeah. too. Oh, yeah. so. And he mentioned it in the riders' meetings. He said, you know, these track days are geared toward the older bikes to have a chance to get out here and practice without – uh, people ripping around them. So, you know, if you are on a super fast, there was a few super fast dudes out there. And he's like, you know, they, you guys uh, kind of stay out of their way, you know, or, or pass them at certain opportunities and don't pass them like you would at a normal bike or whatever. Cause they do have to take different lines. You're on different tires, vintage equipment. <laughs> so, but yeah, it was super cool. And uh, we did get some video. We got some interviews too. So we'll, we'll get into those. Um, let's take a break actually and get into those right now. What do you say? Sounds good to me. All right. And we'll be right back with some more creative writing interviews from space. with Carrie Crest. She's getting ready to go out. Carrie, (laughs) how do you feel right now? I feel pretty good. And that's all the words she has time to say for because she's about to go out on track. We'll talk to you guys later. Thanks, bye. Ready to go. All right. We're here at a lovely, lovely classic track day put on by sweet talker Brady Walker out here at Willow Springs Raceway. And uh, pitted next to us is, uh, well, I always do this. I always mess this up and stomp on people. I'm going to let her introduce herself and then uh, we'll get into what she's doing here today. You want to go ahead and give us your name? I'm Sasha. Sweet. And uh, what what, do you wear, what are you riding here today?
3: I'm riding an old Ninja 250 that's been set up for track only use.
0: Sweet. And it is pretty sweet. It's a, it's a parallel twin, it's got some blinged out, I love the pink decals and the <laughs> pink chain. And uh, yeah, I really like this bike, it's a good bike to start out on. Is this uh, your first track day?
3: No, I've actually, I ran my own 250 Ninja on a few other track days, and I've done stuff on, like, BMW S1000RRs and mini bikes. but this is really, like, only the second or third time I've ridden this bike, so we're building trust right now.
0: (laughs) Yeah, building trust. When you came into the pits earlier, you told me something recently has happened to this thing. Uh, You had a motor blow on you when you were uh, tracking it, right?
3: Yeah, actually, I was at a horse thief mile here just over the hill, and uh, the old motor on the bike, it was previously a race bike, blue, and so, you know, we put a new engine in it, uh, my girlfriend and I, and now we're trying to get it out. I actually had the cam chain tensioner adjustment back out on me yesterday, so we fixed that, and now I had yet another thing today, so... The bike and I are still working on our trust issues. <laughs>
0: yeah, no kidding. I'm going to move over here because we're getting a lot of motor noise. We're, we're right in the pits with world-famous Carrie Kress, who finally gave me three words on, on a tape here, but she's getting ready to, to run out on track too. So to, to go backwards in your life, um, how long have you been riding?
3: Uh, probably five or six years, I think, maybe. I haven't ridden much the last year, though, so it's knocking a lot of the rust off and getting back on the horse.
0: Yeah, and you know what? I have to say, what a better, or there couldn't be a better event to come do this at because this is all about, I love Brady Walker's all about people just getting out to the track. Heck, they're going to let me run my heap of junk out there uh, during the Taste of the Track event. So, what else? What was your very first motorcycle?
3: Uh, Ninja 250, actually. I still have that one and I run it on the street now, though my primary street bike is a Ninja 650R.
0: Do you uh, commute?
3: I do. i I've been primarily commuting since I was finishing up college on my motorcycles, and I did a little work as a courier in Los Angeles and Norwalk and West Side of LA. So, you know, bike's pretty much my daily go-to. Nice.
0: That's good. And it's always it's good when bike when a bike is your therapy. Also, when it's like your daily ride. I know sometimes people can like want to get off. You know, like oh, I commuted every day. Now I'm coming to the track. There's a lot of people here, included Carrie Kress. They used to ride street, and now they only do track days because you have no cars coming across the intersection and no, nothing to happen except for a few crashes like we've seen today. Luckily, you didn't crash, but you want to tell us, like, what did happen here when you uh, lost your shifter?
3: Uh, so rather unexpectedly, uh, my shifter wasn't wobbly or anything. And I didn't have any indication of it. But um, as I was coming through turn four at this track and then which is a right-hander, the way we're running it, followed by a left-hander in turn five. I felt something bounce and hit me, and then in turn five, something bounced and hit me hard in the foot. And I looked down, and the bolts on the inside that retains the shift lever had fallen. So the whole armature had fallen off and was bouncing up off the ground and hitting me. And I was like, okay, time to come in. So, you know, it, it could have been more major. I'm not super worried about it. It's just a minor inconvenience.
0: Yeah, and riding fifth gear all the way around, like from turn four—that's a long way. So, and now you got a few people over here helping you. Uh, it looks like—I mean—they've pulled out like drills. They've been machining stuff. They've been doing all sorts of crazy stuff. That's the kind of people you run into here at these classic track days. Everybody just wants you to be able to ride. And I'm stoked that they're helping you. You got a really cute bike. Whose idea was it? Who's 812? Was that what came on the bike?
3: Uh, no, we actually threw that on yesterday because I needed race numbers and. I thought 812 would be fun because if I did it that way, it could look almost like an SR, which are my initials. So, that's my number for now.
0: Actually, and that is funny. That is, if you look at it quickly, it's like seeing the number 13. It looks like an M if you do it right. That does. Now that you say it, I can't not see SR on there. <laughs> so, that's rad. And you got two people. God, you got your own pit crew over here on the bike now. Like, this is a, this is amazing. Did you think you'd have this when you rolled in today?
3: Um, I don't. I never expect it, but I'm also not surprised. It does make my weekend amazingly better to have so many people who are just so friendly and excited to help and it's kind of one of those things where I'd like to come out and be able to be that person too. Like the sense of community is wonderful here.
0: Yeah, for sure. And man, you just got the thumbs up so it looks like they're buckling it or getting it back together, buttoned up so you'll be out there. I won't be able to chat with you again but you're pitted right behind us and it was as soon as you guys rolled in I was like I gotta go check this out. Not too many people track uh, Ninja 250s anymore. What year is this, by the way?
3: I believe this one's a 2009. I don't know because I didn't get it stock. I was just like, okay, here we go. Yeah.
0: I know, I should know this stuff. I, I write motorcycle data for a living, but I can't tell. This It's the old uh, 250 with the double parallel twin. I can't remember what, uh, what year that went to, but yeah. yeah. It was
3: 2000, 2008, 2009 until about 2012 or 13 when they swapped over to the 300.
0: Well, I hope you're able to get out there and make the last couple uh, sessions. This is so rad, and I love the fact that I came over to talk to, again, world-famous Carrie Crest, who's only said about three words in her life to me uh, on tape, and then all of a sudden you roll in the pits, and I was like, sweet. I just knew uh, I knew they were going to help you out. So, yeah, I hope you get back out there and have fun. Anything? Is there any um, crazy rides that you haven't done or that you're looking forward to doing in the near future, any type of... Like different riding or anything like that that you want to get your hands on and get off the track and get out there like I don't know jumping 85 feet through the air supercross style.
3: So I've done a little supermoto with SoCal Supermoto at uh, Adams and Riverside and volunteered for them. I've done a little superbike school and traveled with them for a bit. Um, right now I'm getting more into dirt and adventure riding. So I've done a cross country ride on my Ninja 650. I've done a tour of the Southwest for. Two and a half, three weeks, no showers, just camping off on of motorcycles and doing some adventure riding. I'm about to do a Jimmy Lewis school in March, and hopefully I'll up the game before I head off to Baja for a bit, because that's just a classic, you know, ride up passage. Um, uh, on my Instagram, I'm aspiring hack. If anyone wants to see silly pictures of the bikes out in the world, that's where you can find them.
0: Awesome, and hey. Dude, if you're a courier in L.A. traffic, Baja ought to be a piece of cake for you. So, yeah, maybe if uh, maybe we'll hit you up and we'll follow you, and we'll see if we can keep keep track of you while you're going to your next adventure. But for today, I really hope you get get to get back out there. And uh, thumbs up, man. It's a proper little cool little bike you got.
3: Thank you so much. It was lovely talking with you.
0: Right. <laughs> All right, thanks. Thanks. All right, so we're wandering back around the pits. Sasha has come back in successfully on her uh, Ninja 250. And what the heck? I can't move three feet without bumping into someone else. <laughs> so so here we are with Katrina, who happens to be in the same pit. And uh, we were talking about all sorts of things. So and w- one thing I didn't catch, how long have you been riding?
4: It's probably been close to 15 years now.
0: 50 years? Wait, the, it's kind of loud. You said 15.
4: Yeah, 15. I'm not 50 yet.
0: No. no, you don't even look like you're over 30. So here's the deal. We were talking about all sorts of cool stuff. We've, we've talked about three or four different topics already, and I'm super excited um, because every, every moment I spend with you, I learn something a little more. First things first. You've been riding for 15 years. What was your first motorcycle? It was
4: a 1987 Yamaha Virago. It, uh, 5.35 is what I could afford, and uh, I'm really glad I don't have it anymore.
0: What? Oh, and how long did you have that thing for?
4: Maybe a year.
0: Man, you're getting shy now. Now that you're on now mic, <laughs> you're getting a little shy, but that's okay. Um... So after that bike, uh, what did you ride?
4: After that, I got a Suzuki Marauder, 800 cc cruiser.
0: Nice stepping up. Well, that's up the chain, yeah. So, and then after that, what'd you have?
4: Then I had a BMW F650. So that was pre GS. They called it the Funduro. It's kind of a silly little bike. Yeah.
0: One of our listeners in Australia has one of those, and uh, he rides the heck out of it. That's the bike we were talking about look i just learned something new you've you've had like this whole history before that um and so yeah we were talking about all the unfortunate junk that happens living in la and this and that and somebody stole your your bike do you want to I, I don't want you to relive it but yeah we we're we had a whole conversation about it. do you want to walk us back through that and the whole process of it real quick
4: yeah so so yes so i had the f650 and uh i really wanted the gs i wanted something the fundura was fun but I wanted something a little bit different, so I ended up selling that. And then I got the, the BMW F650GS Dakar. And that was really kind of my dream bike. Um, and I, I always thought it would be a little too tall for me and a little too much for me. Um, and when I got it, I was just so psyched. And, and now, you know, it's mine's a 03, so it's it's getting older. It's not super pretty, but I do what I need to do and kind of what it's designed to do. Uh, so, yeah, so I've had that bike now for, I don't know, a while. And, uh, and it's really been uh, something I really enjoy in Southern California. I'm from New England. And so the idea of being able to ride year-round here is, is really great. Um,
0: and I, you know what? Yeah, the, I forgot the Fonduro wasn't the, the, the Dakar. That's right. So you've surprised me again. Another bike. And, yeah, New England, man. Is it, like, negative three right there in there right now?
4: Uh, I haven't checked this weekend, but I know at, at Thanksgiving when I talked to my family, it was 5 degrees for Thanksgiving Day. So,
0: I don't mean to laugh, but dude, it's so beautiful out here today. I can't. 5 degrees. I just I don't even know what that even looks like. So, uh, yeah. So your GS is the one, the, the Dakar is the one that got stolen, that we struck up a conversation about. And it sounds like you've lived a full life on that bike, and then somebody came and decided to take it all away, huh?
4: Yeah, I think they just didn't respect that it wasn't theirs and they saw th- something they wanted and decided to take it so uh, I got home from a trip and the bike was gone and I was heartbroken and um, it was really pretty devastating it felt like losing a best friend um, and the police were actually able to recover it I should say the Norwalk County Sheriff was able to recover it um, a couple weeks later in damaged condition but enough where i managed to spend the rath- last season repairing it and Was really excited to just get the bike back.
0: And And this happened this year, correct?
4: Yeah, this was in April.
0: So you've got a little bit of a road ahead of you, but, man, you were telling me, this is kind of backstory. Like I said, we were chatting for a while, but the person wrapped it through some uh, plates on it that were stolen blades. Like, they did everything possible, and i got to say the right way in order to disguise this from the the authorities. I am super glad you got it back because, like we were talking about, it's like a piece of your life missing, you know what I'm saying? You, it sounds like sounds like you had a lot of adventures on that bike and to get it back, I'm just I can't tell you how like heartwarming that that is to me, you know, to hear that cuz a lot of people don't get their stuff back.
4: Yeah, I think uh there was the option of course of just getting a different bike, but that wasn't what I was looking to do. I'm looking for my thing like which as silly as it is, I feel bonded and connected with and and that was the thing i wanted so to have that back even if i have to work on it um is great and just continue that adventure
0: i know that's that's awesome and i mean it just speaks volumes to the the things that like people associate with your bike your life you associate your life with your bike your trips everything like that and then when sasha got back and she was telling me i saw these little mini motos by you i learned another thing why what were you doing while she was out there trying to fix her bike this this whole time
4: yeah, well, while she was working on the bike, I had abandoned her to uh, go ride Minimotos over at the Willow Kart track. Uh, I love that track. We would get to ride a bunch of different tracks uh, throughout Southern California, but Willow Kart is definitely one of my favorites. Uh, we're riding Honda 50cc. Uh, this is one that's an XR50, uh, yeah. but also CRF50s are, are great.
0: And are you, what organization, are you with the organization that's over there now? What's uh, what's the name of it?
4: The, the name of it is M1GP, and it's volunteer run. Uh, the website is M1-GrandPrix.com. Uh, the schedule for 2019 will be coming out in the next few weeks. Uh, we'll start rider clinics in January. So what that looks like is people who have an interest in riding. They don't have to have a bike. They don't have to have experience. Uh, we can provide bikes, leathers, helmets, gloves, boots, and just come out and, and try it out. The bikes are um, small and not intimidating and really approachable, and so are the people. And it's just a really great community, really way, good way to get on a, a motorcycle. Yeah.
0: Hey, she's talking to me, folks. That speaks volumes. <laughs> so, But there's a, a kid over there that's nine, and we were talking about it because my daughter's going to be nine soon. You don't have to have a bike. You don't have to have gear, from what I understand and obviously if a nine-year-old can do it can anybody go over there and do it it's is this literally for adults too
4: yeah this is for anyone so the rider clinics like i said anyone i mean sometimes we'll have kids who are four or five years old um there's a, a pretty solid group of of kids that come every week so it's really great to see that community grow um kids gaining confidence on bikes and also learning sportsmanship but it's for adults too uh, and same thing uh just being really good sports, gaining skill, making friends. Uh, so that's rider clinics, but there's also the race series. So if you already ride and you want to race in a way that's really affordable and approachable, you know, mini bikes really provide that. Um, some of the some of the larger bikes can get expensive pretty quickly. Uh, they take more room to store. It's harder to transport them. And while I think they're amazing, they're not always approachable for everyone and mini bikes are just so approachable. Uh, you know, you can keep it in your closet. Uh, so yeah, rider clinics and uh, race series.
0: Man, and not only that, like I could probably fit one in the back of my Scion. It's like a hatchback, fold the seats down, race, bring a race bike. I don't need a, one of these trailers or rigs that everybody's got out here. And uh, I mean, you fall a foot off the ground you can't get hurt so that's amazing and this is so funny because when we were chatting over there i had no idea until uh, she pulled up and we started talking about that so it's just it's so cool to come to these classic track days and meet people like you guys sasha and katrina and just hang out and chat in the pits you start learning all this stuff you know like so much crazy good two-wheeled stuff happened in the world even if something bad happens in the in the interim, you know, like you've always got you always got these mini motos to look forward to. So, but yeah, I hope I hope to see you guys um, later this year. Maybe if we can organize something out in the dirt, because I know she wants to get out on the dirt, and you want to show her how to do it. So that'd be super fun. Have you taken her over on the super mono, the mini motos yet?
4: Oh, she took me that's that's a, how i found out about it so. <laughs> that's awesome
0: no and and we're here the the kart track over here is amazing you see little kids learning supermoto you see little kids uh learning how to pilot a bike and if you, if a little kid can do it you could do it too so that's minimoto grand prix.com is that right
4: yeah it's uh m1 uh m1 dash grand prix.com and uh one of the, this is kind of a neat thing, too. One of the races they do, it's for charity. It's in September. It's a 24-hour endurance race. So you get together a team, and it's, it's, a, it's not like anything else I've ever done. So 24-hour enduro is really cool.
0: Dude, and what tracks do you guys normally uh, do these events at?
4: So we run at Willow Cart. Uh, we run at Grand We run at Santa Maria Cart. Uh, sometimes at Bakersfield. Um, they're looking into Button Willow this year and potentially Apex, ideally, in an ideal world, yeah.
0: And the only one, uh, one of the other famous ones I've heard of is Adams, but I think I saw uh, something about a 24-hour mini race this year, and I wasn't sure if it was like the Grom class or what, what class it was, but you guys are out there on 50s, you guys are out over there like, these kids, I, I actually, on my way to the balcony to take some pictures, uh, I passed by and I saw two little kids just coming down the streets, and I could see their smiles through their helmets. It looked like so much fun. So this is really cool that you do that. Um, anything else, Any cool sign-offs? I mean, everybody thinks it's going to be like pulling teeth to, 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 to talk about it, but this is easy. We were blown 10 minutes. So, I mean, uh, anything else you want to say or any adventures that you want to go on before, you know, maybe maybe you get your GS uh, in line and all that stuff. Anything, anything you want to... Take it on any crazy adventures you got planned to do on two wheels.
4: I mean, I think there's always adventures, you know, that you want to do. So we'll we'll see what comes of that. But I guess the last thing I would say is props to Brady Walker and Classic Track Days. Um, These events are fantastic. The community here is really great, um, really accepting, and really fun way to come out and just get on a
0: bike and you get to talk to weirdos that come over shove a microphone in your face well thank you katrina so much for hanging out and thanks you and sasha both for uh taking the time to talk with us it's nice seeing ladies out here at these track days too so that's another another bonus in my book and until then we'll talk to you guys later thanks bye Alrighty. it's finally quiet. You can hear that the day has wound down. We're still here at Willow Springs International Race Day for the world-famous S- Sweet Talker Brady Walker's uh, Ramming Speed Classic Track Day. And uh, I got to meet somebody earlier in the, in the day that I've seen a bunch of stuff online and on Instagram and everywhere that people get their social media nowadays, and it's fantabulous pictures. And it's all mostly motorcycle-related that I've seen so far. And come to find out, it's the work of one guy. And it seems like it's uh, an army of photographers out there. But it turns out to be uh, my guest right now, which I'm going to let you uh, throw it over to you and let you introduce yourself and tell us where you're from.
2: Thanks. Yeah, so my name is Scott Murphy, and I'm the owner of Race Reels. Um, originally from the Midwest, um, I spent, you know, after college, I graduated from the University of Iowa. I moved to California about 13 years ago, and I've been here since. And now I reside in Mission Viejo.
0: Nice. Yeah. Iowa, stark contrast, weather-wise, scenery-wise, everything. Then then here now, what brought you out this way?
2: You know, there's a lot more opportunity out here um, for entertainment. And, you know, I always thought of myself as being on the other side of the camera, but it took someone actually putting a camera in my hands for me to realize that I really like being behind the camera. Um, And, you know, that's where a lot of my, you know, I've always been into motorcycles, but that's kind of how the two kind of merged
0: that was my next question, because everybody on the show always wants to know, how do you relate to motorcycles? How, you know, how did you get into it? So, I'm going to guess, being from Iowa, you
2: probably had a dirt bike on a farm as a kid. <laughs> I wish so. My parents actually didn't allow motorcycles. It was, I know, right? It was, it really crushed me as a kid. You know, that's, that's what I thought I needed, uh, would just solve all my problems <laughs> with something with a motor in it. Um, but yeah, so I had neighbors that had, you know, dirt bikes and things, and I'd watch, and... Um, yeah, growing up, that was always something that I wanted. So when I moved out to California, and you can pretty much ride year-round out here, that's kind of the first thing that I invested in was a motorcycle. So um, in 2010, I picked up a, a Harley-Davidson and started riding. And then um, through that, I met a, a lot of guys that were actually riding vintage bikes. And I actually got more into the vintage scene with, like, 70s Hondas and stuff like that and started buying up, you know multiple CB and CL models and kind of playing around with figuring out how they go together. And I was always intrigued with motorcycles, not only from a riding perspective, but one from um, how they work too. So, um, but yeah, so I mean, I've always been into bikes and uh, I ride and, you know, I've restored some bikes and and had some fun with that just as a hobby, Uh, nothing professional, but um, it's been a good time. And through taking some of these bikes to shows and things like that, I've met a lot of people, one of which is Brady Walker, Um, you know, so I had a friend uh, by the name of Chad Williams introduced me to Classic Track Day, and, um, you know, that's kind of how I discovered this.
0: Awesome. How, I mean, that's pretty incredible because there are so many, I wouldn't say there's so many photographers, but there's a lot of opportunity And there's so much going on that I'm, you know, I've seen your Speedway photos. I've seen uh, some of your motocross photos, I think. I've seen classic track day photos, flat track photos, all this crazy stuff. And you are a very busy man because you're running around doing all this. Uh, How did you get into, into photography? And is this your bread and butter? Is this like how you bring home the bacon?
2: Yeah, so um, I do follow a lot of different genres of motorsports. So everything you named, you know, speedway, motocross, um, road racing, flat track, sidecar, hooligan, <laughs> anything with with racing, I'm I'm definitely there and I'm, I'm snapping photos. Um, it uh, as far as getting into photography, um, you know, I, I really was scared to be the one shooting the shots just because I didn't have the technical experience with how to really work a camera, you know, so um, it took me several years of just getting out and shooting as many photos as I could possibly take to start getting good at it, and, you know, I've gotten to the point now where I'm really comfortable with a camera. Um, I enjoy trying new things and, and you know, trying new scenery and, and really just growing my experience as best as I can, you know, the better I can be at this, the, the more that I can get out there and, and make a name. For myself, essentially. So, you know, I, people have been responding really well to the photos and the videos we've been posting. So, I'm really, you know, I'm super excited about that. I'm going to continue working hard and, and I enjoy it, it's a learning process. Um, the videos is kind of a whole nother segment of what I do, but, um, as far as the bread and butter, you know, this was race reels, first year of business. So, you know, it was a profitable year. I set out to do what I wanted to do this year, which was, you know, be profitable, but at the same time, um, be the exclusive photographer for a track organization, which we've done with classic track day. And then I also wanted to partner up with a couple different businesses, um, to create promotional materials for their business to, you know, whether it's um you know um, an exhaust pipe that they're promoting, or a wine that they're promoting. You know, we were on board, and my goal was to have work with three companies this year, and I did that as well. So um, we hit all of our goals. Um, it's not necessarily the bread and butter right now, per se. You know, it's it's more like supplemental income. Um, I do have a day job. Um, this is something I'm doing in my in my free time, uh, but it, the goal is to have this be more of a full time gig, and and that's what I'm growing to. Uh, toward essentially so um, right now um, I do I'm I'm essentially a content uh, producer or production manager so I work in this industry Um, I do a lot of writing and storyboarding and uh, commercial work so that's kind of how I I picked up a few tricks and and things with the camera and you know what what to do and what not to do with business so um, and then I studied entrepreneurship in college so you know that's a big part of what I'm doing now is small business so Um, it's, it's, it's fun though. Um, the, the company that I work for is a wireless manufacturer and, you know, once again, um, at the end of the day, it's, it's all, um, cameras and photography and, and all that good stuff. So, um, race reels was something that I, I, I really wanted something of my own. And um, I saw a need for a lot of up-and-coming racers, especially young racers. Um, they didn't really have the resources that they needed to promote themselves other than throwing on a GoPro. So, you know, there was a lot of photographers out there, uh, not a lot of people doing videos. So I wanted to jump in and, and, and offer them some support. And um, the first couple videos I did went really well. Um, you know, the, I, I sponsored two kids um, that are fantastic racers and um they had a phenomenal season and that kind of helped me grow my brand and and the name and um get us out there so Travis Horn and Owen Williams are the are the two kids that we sponsored this year so
0: yeah and i've seen a lot of speedway videos pop up and and that's kind of creative writing the whole thing that i wanted to do with this podcast is there's you know Valentino Rossi Mark Marquez you know uh Ryan Dungey, all those guys—they don't need the attention. Who needs it is the people that are doing creative stuff and that you know have zero out, you know, outlet, if you will, aside from Instagram. Basically, right. a lot of people use Instagram. So I think that that's awesome. Not only uh, because you take good photos and it's really good business partnership, but also it's it's a really cool way to use your skills and everything that you've got going for you. Everything that you've mentioned so far to kind of turn it around and give back to these kids that are like making something and to sponsor them and to be financially uh you know gainful in your first year of operation that's a feat in and of itself in entrepreneurship so Mm -hmm. how did you i mean now it sounds like you've also got jay leno's garage hiding at your house you got you got into (laughs) you started getting into motorcycles and all this great stuff and yeah you can't it's a problem you can't stop collecting them yeah how did you get into photography question one question two is it weird being the guy behind the lens that's making all these things come to life for people and they probably wouldn't know you like i know you now that i've seen you person to person but they wouldn't know you from jack if they you know they know your they know your photos they know your work but they don't know you so you just kind of can walk around anonymously Mm
2: -hmm. yeah that is you know it is i kind of like that in a sense that you know um my, my work speaks for itself in a, in a way. Um, You know, the first couple months I started doing videos, it was really, it was, it was a huge honor. I'd walk in and then, you know, there'd be people, I'd wear my race reels jacket or my, you know, my uh, highlight jacket. And, um, you know, they'd be like, oh, you're the race reels company, you know, I've seen your clips or whatever. And, that was huge for me because you know I had been coming in for several months you know and doing work before anybody realized that it was me, um, so it was cool when people started to kind of put it together a bit. But um, I'm not really once again I'm not doing it for me. I, I'm, it's more about the racers and you know without them motorsports is just we don't have anything right. So you know I, I definitely want to support uh, our local tracks and, and and all the racers that are out there. I mean i don 't think people and especially the fans they don 't always realize how much these guys are going through between you know they 're investing their money and their time and energy to practice and tires and gas and you know getting out there and and trying to make something happen you know it 's a lot of work, and you know my heart goes out to them because it is they 're all little entrepreneurs in my eyes, you know especially these young kids coming up they're they're they 're literally running their own business, and um, you got to know how to promote yourself you know so uh, it, it 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 is hard to uh, to stand out online these days, and and marketing materials is one thing that kind of kind of helps that along. So that's where we you know we want to help out. So we have that experience, and we can bring that to the table. And we do bring a lot of knowledge to the table, not only from a, a motorcycle perspective, you know, because you know once again we ride and all that stuff, but also from a passion standpoint and creative standpoint. You know, creating work constantly, all that stuff. Um, you know, we're always. We're always trying to get better at what we're doing. So um, as far as the Jay Leno's garage, I do have a few bikes. Um, I currently have 12 motorcycles, which is, it is a problem. Yeah, um, yeah most of them, I ha- they're all Hondas except for one, um, which is a Harley. It's a soft tail uh, deluxe. And that's kind of my daily rider. But most of my other bikes are all collector's bikes. I have a bunch of Hondas, everything from a, you know, a CB125 all the way up to a CB750. So um, I just really like the Honda models. Um, and I'm trying to save some of these uh, motorcycles that, you know, were getting chopped up and lost and, you know, weren't, uh, weren't being, weren't really around anymore. You want, I wanted to keep a few that were stock. So I've I've had a good time with that.
0: Nice. And when you're out there um, and you see somebody with a camera, I mean, mm-hmm. is it? Do you chuckle? Because I looked at your gear and your gear, you know, <laughs> you know, considering like I'm walking around with like a the world's crummiest point and shoot, and then I saw some even better guys with like, mm-hmm. you know, pretty legit cameras, and then I see your type of stuff. Um, I I don't think you feel threatened because you're contracted. But is it funny to see guys walking around and you? you do you ever? Is it kind of like the thing where you compare stuff? You know, do you just see and go, oh, man, it's decent? Or hey, man, like if you want better shots, like you should, uh, you know, you ever feel like mentoring somebody, going over and saying, hey, listen, you know, at least at least let me show you a couple aperture settings or something like that? Is <laughs> it? Because I mean, you're out there all day taking photos with all sorts of stuff, you know? Sure.
2: Yeah, there are a lot more people now running around with cameras, because I think technology has gotten a little less expensive, and you can get a pretty decent camera now for not a lot of money, you know? Um, Even for a 1000 bucks, you can get a pretty decent camera that shoots well. Um, It's more about knowing how to utilize the settings, and you can have a really, really nice camera, but if you don't know what you're doing, your shots aren't going to look great. So, I'm not, I don't feel like, I'm, I'm definitely not one of those people that would walk up and be like, hey, let me, you know, help you out, you know, and without knowing anything about them, you know, I'd I'd be more so interested if they had, they usually have questions about what I'm using, you know, like the, the, the equipment that I'm carrying around. Um, and I use what works for me and I've kind of grown my kit to work for what I need. You know, um, I started out with a really minimal, you know, just a a camera and a simple lens and I had a a wide and a short, uh, or sorry, a a wide and a, a telescope lens and that seemed to work for what I kind of needed, and I felt like that was a good mix, and since then, I've obviously had to grow things. You know, I have to get microphones and lights and flash and, um, you know, extra batteries, and, you know, it, there's always things that you can be buying to make better productions, um, and we're all about that, you know, especially with race reels. If there, I have a a lot of contacts in this business where if there's something that I need, I can always just rent it or outsource that rather than having that expense year-round if I don't need it. So the stuff that I have right now literally is stuff that I use at every shoot, you know. Um, You know, like my gimbal, for example, like it it makes things a lot easier because, you know, as far as a, a steady cam goes, a steady shot, it's nice to have nice smooth shots. And, you know, I've invested in the things that I needed to in order to have my work stand out. And um, it seems like it's going well. You know, I've, I've I, you know, I kind of cut myself off this year once I had what I felt what I needed. Um, and then anything else I want to get going forward next year, you know, I'll look at that. But, you know, obviously there's drones. You know, there's a new drone every year. There's a new GoPro every year. Y- y- you know, at some point um, it, it becomes a bit excessive. But, you know, as long as you have the, the basic things that you need, um, you know, you're, you're pretty much good.
0: And my final question for you today that I have is 1500 bucks. You get a $1,500 gift card or check. Let's just say cash, actually, for Christmas in your stocking. What do you buy? A new bike? A new Honda? Because you have a, a problem. No, All no. your bikes start with H. No, so more, no more bikes. No more bikes. Okay, I was going to say new bike yeah. or new camera equipment.
2: Yeah, definitely. I th- I'd probably pass on the bike. If anything, <laughs> I need to be selling those. Um, but, yeah, Probably something for I'd put definitely invested back in the business, and I'd use that money you know to um either get to more track days or you know use that money to help maybe sponsor another uh racer this year um giving back you know that's the kind of the whole point of race rails, but um yeah, I mean how often I mean it is nice if if that did fall on my lap, I wouldn't be turning it away you know that's that's a good chunk of change these days, so yeah.
0: well, hey, it's been a pleasure talking to you. And uh, is there? I know you're all over social media, but where can people find you, and how can they get in touch with you if they want to, uh, you know, talk business and, and uh, maybe order some photographs or schedule you for an event?
2: Uh, best place to go is the website uh, racereels.com. Uh, that has links to all my social handles for Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, you can pretty and all my direct contact information there as well. Um, that's where I would go.
0: Rad. Okay. Hey, thank you so much, Scott. It's been a pleasure talking to you, you. And it was nice seeing you out there. I'm going to look for some of the photos that you threw out there today and go check out his Instagram for sure. And you're going to see some of the examples. And this is just like a, a molecule, right? Yeah. A fraction of what's what's out there and what's available. Go check out the website and uh, look for him. He's out there everywhere. There's, there's not 800 of you, even though there's so much content out there. It seems like there is, but this is one guy. So... Uh, if you catch him at an event, make sure to shake his hand and maybe pay him to get your picture taken. All right. Well, thanks, man. Uh, talk to you later. Thank you. All right, everybody. We're back. How would you like those interviews? What would you think? We got to talk to uh, Scott. I forget Scott's last name. Murphy is Scott from uh, Race Reels. Yes, Murphy. Really, really... Well-groomed, as Emma would say, from uh, Emma Boonton from... I forget where she works. <laughs> I don't want... I, I want to say the uh, least amount of other podcasts as I can. <laughs> but... Yeah. um and but, Scott,
1: like, he takes really good photos. Dude. It's 20 bucks for a photo package, which yeah. basically consists of a Dropbox link, two Dropbox links, one for all the infield and one for on the track. Um, and you basically get like a thousand
0: photos. How well, on Cali not Photo all of them are you? Cali Photo, what were their <clears throat> 45, yeah, I think so dub- more than double. And he had just no. come from Paris, yeah. yeah, the night before doing yeah, the speedway, man. The speedway the night before,
1: um, yeah. And, and you know, Scott said that he's hoping to like hire another person, so obviously the price would go up a little bit, but you would get more photos and you would get better content, so it'd be worth it. Um, yeah, man, it, it, you get really great stuff for the money. Yeah. Uh, I keep trying to get him to do that for my SoCal Hooligans events because he's there, but he doesn't like taking photos at night, so he doesn't feel right charging. <laughs> Weird. So, well, and as you could like, hear,
0: well. as you heard in, from the interview, he has he's super professional, and he's like, uh, he's, what what's the word I'm looking for? He's focused on what he wants his next objectives to be, and I think his background, his school background and stuff kind of set him up for that and also the profession that he does during the daytime probably gets him like on a schedule and task thing you know what yeah. i mean he's super focused and uh but super nice and super cool and um i think you said it best when i when you just said that uh he's got more bikes than you you didn't say that but i'm gonna tell you that <laughs> that was a terrible segue into uh did you know he had more bikes than you i didn't yeah freaking 13 motorcycles oh, damn. all hondas one harley Oh, i right. said you have an h problem well you heard it in the interview i've have, you have an h problem my friend um we need to get him a hodaka and a husqvarna and i think we should like i'd say with a bunch of hondas you're pretty set <laughs> really? i didn't know
1: he was such a honda fan though yeah oh man scott and i yeah could so, be better buds than I thought.
0: Yeah, that's why you guys connect so good. Hondas uh,
1: and Harleys. Yeah, yeah, I'm down.
0: And then the girls. I can't say enough about them. Sasha was there uh, and left out. Did you know she left? She totally left this part out. That she uh, did moto journalism for a little bit, and I was like, you couldn't have said that during the interview. And I was like, you know, moto lady. She's like, yeah, I know Mo- uh, Alicia. Yeah, and, oh, where? What did you used to do? I freelance for Ride Apart. All this stuff that she had so much more to say that we didn't get in the interview, but at least we got, you know, she got we got her to talk about her bike, and that was a really sweet uh, 250. And um, if you go back to Creative Writing, Creative Dash Writing dot com, and look at the, I think it was uh about a year ago, I, I wrote up that little article because everybody was coming out with with three hundreds. Kawasaki was basically the uh, starter of the two hundred fifty cc sport bike, you know, with their very they're basically first the Ninja. only
1: ones to have it for like twenty so, years. Yeah,
0: and now it's like all of a sudden the hottest. Yeah, thing. Um, so yeah, that was interesting. And then uh, her girlfriend actually was super quiet and disappeared for a little bit. And it turns out she was doing uh, coaching up at the little cart track with the little kids. So I was like, dude, you guys are, you know, it was so cool. Um, do you, I want to mention the guys that we uh, ran into next door to us that were pitted up to our, to the West, no, to the East of us. Um, beautiful, beautiful Buell. And uh, it was, it was a, a nice Buell. XB 12. Well, it was a lightning, whatever I think. It
1: was the light fire bolt yeah. fire lightning. I don't remember which <laughs> one's which because mine doesn't say, yeah.
0: And his they're didn't, both
1: XBs, yeah. His didn't his either. was the fairing one, though, yeah. His had
0: the little bikini fairing, it was the 12 for sure. It was and, a 12, and uh, it had been given the some sort of treatment by Buell Racing Team or something like that, some Buell Race Team. And I was like, dude, you got like matching wheels to your lights and like everything oh, they did matched a lot of on that. it. Yeah, oh, it was so Buell sweet. was kind of crazy about that for a while. Yeah, and it was so cool. <clears throat> and he hadn't ridden it for a while. I think he said two years had been sitting. So that was his first time on it. It was knocking the dust off of it, knocking the cobwebs off. And then that friggin' he comes back in after his last session, and uh, the battery was just kind of kicking it. <laughs> so he well. The battery had kind of, like, frozen, we think, the night
1: before a little. So they went out and they slept in their truck, um, which I've done before up there for sure. But in December, I did that last December because they did the flat track one day and the road race the other. And uh, it got cold at night oh yeah it It gets freezing out there real cold so uh he thinks that fried the battery which will happen sometimes yeah um it was an old battery anyway so we got him bump started we got him jump started and then he rode it all day but it kind of it just
0: melted the post a little bit yeah it was so funny Is no good (laughs) when he came back and like the posts were gone i was like what the hell so and he just he just basically took the battery out of the bike without uh having to disconnect anything i think (laughs) you might have had to unscrew the the little uh eyelet but yeah dude i was like where where's the top of your battery so yeah that was cool that thing was really pretty and his buddy was out there on a moto guzzi um did you guys did you catch that guy's name it was so weird uh he i did not he it turns out he is like uh he's his family does knife manufacturing oh yeah yeah i was like holy crap uh,
1: his name was also wasn't it
0: uh it could have been
1: uh, yeah they own a little company and i'm not i'm i would butcher the name anyway it's a little swedish knife company so i don't know what his day job is whether he works f- like the distribution center in the states to me it's not that big of a company and it's actually i think they're less than 100 bucks it's like a 125 year old company they're swedish and they're like a all-around good camping knife um not really to like chop wood good like they're not beefy but they're pretty thin um they have like a the back edge is a sharp 90 on them so you can do use the fire starter the fire steel to throw sparks nice um they're pretty thin so they'd be good to like cut open an animal or something if you're hunting or fishing say they look a lot like fillet with them definitely definitely Um, but they're still beefy enough i mean you're not going to cut through a bone of a deer but yeah you know a, a fish would be no problem um you know they're pretty good and they have like a plasticky, rubberish handle that's like nice and contoured and something with an m and i don't even remember how to say write, right yeah um but i'm, I'm not 100% sure he on he gave either. me some stickers he said he'd send me some blanks or something yeah. too was like Fuck. i know
0: yeah. I, I was so. like dude of all the people to pit up next to i know right next to like we get the knife guys yeah. and this cool cuz i showed
1: him one of mine and it was like it was real cool to hear the stuff that he would point out about it that, like i think of
0: but a lot of people don't yeah yeah, that was I thought yeah, that was cool even though too. it was
1: such a different style from what they made, it was still cool for him to be like, Oh, this does this and this feels yeah. good here and this like
0: I was like, Cool. Like, so I don't know. But yeah. yeah, it was cool. And it was like super random when it was like, What? Yeah. Hey, it's not every day you get a guy with a 125 year old knife company checking out your stuff, going, yeah, I like that. Right? <laughs> so that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was fun. And um his buddy Joey, uh I wanna say his last name is Landis. Um, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. He is the, uh, said, Hey, let me, I threw him some stickers and I said, listen, guys, we got a crummy podcast. We're probably going to talk about this, uh, you know, this coming Friday. So give us a listen. Oh yeah. And then he says, I actually have my own side gig as well. It's called shitty helmets. And he threw me a shirt, which I love the, his little Instagram uh, avatar is just like a helmet with a butt coming out of it. It's pretty funny, but he paints helmets. He's a custom painter. He's So he truly is a creative writer. And I think he was out there on his Moto Guzzi um, shredding that thing around. So it looked like a lot of fun. I was stoked to see um, Jay Lassa was there from uh, – or Jay LaRassa from Lassa Engineering um, on his MV – I was like, I saw the triple pipes that we saw on the dragster and I was like, oh, an MV, whatever it is. I don't know. You know, I can't remember any of those bikes from the, from IMS, (laughs) but uh, uh, an MV, whatever, you know, uh, insert a bunch of numbers and thousand CC something or other here or there. But yeah, it it was pretty cool. Uh, Him and his buddy were, were uh, right across from us as well. And he was out there shredding that thing. And then. Uh, next to him was the RC 51 guy who was really fast. And, uh, so yeah, it was just really cool to see all the people that actually showed up, you know what I'm saying? It was kind of, it was interesting, but that dude, that little duck scrambler that was uh, right next to them. Plus the dudes next to us that had the Buell and the Gucci, the dudes next to us on the other side had a Gucci Griso, which I haven't seen a whole lot of, you know, it's got a really interesting, motor that I want to look at now because I noticed that it had like an intake or something on the right and like a little brick deal on the left so I was like I wonder what that it wasn't it was a v-twin still you know the post twin but it had some weird stuff going on I wanted to check it out because it looked fatter than a normal one and then down from him was a triumph you know the scrambler or the Bonneville, I'm pretty sure it was a Thruxton, a think, Bonnie. Yeah, and there a, were a couple, and then the Sportster, And then too. the Sportster, and they were all cafe They all look pretty similar. And uh, and then your buddy, what was he on, a Suzuki? What did he have? Yeah, 05, I think, Suzuki mm. 750. Okay. Yeah. And then, so there was, there was a whole bunch of, like, twins. You know, it was so weird seeing the, uh, not that your buddy's bike was a twin, but it was so funny seeing the Scrambler, the Gutsy V7, then the Goots or the uh, the Buell, and then next to us the Griso, and then next to them the Bonnie, the Thruxton, and the Sportster. And so I was like, wow, there's just like a bunch of cool modern um, cafe out bikes here that are just kind of fit the old school vibe of the whole event because they aren't super fast yeah. and they're kind of ca- classically styled. So
1: uh, yeah, the the event I think kind of caters to twins more. Just because, I mean, there were some four cylinders, but they were like old CB 750s Yeah, you know, I think it's it's not not that you can't take a modern sport bike. My buddy had an 05 Jixer. There was a guy; they were the brand new Jixer, but he was from Apex Assassins, and they kind of work with Brady a little bit to help the rider count for both events. Um, but it's just not what it, it's about. It's about old Beamers and old Goodsies yeah. and old old ducks, rad stuff out there. Yeah, so. You know, you see a lot of that, um, but yeah, there's some super cool stuff. Yeah. Like
0: my fa- my favorite one was that old uh, Yamaha. That that God, that guy was older than me. I'm old, and I'm like 120 something. Oh, he was at like he was. No, I was years thinking old. the Cowie. That was a Force under That little 250 cc Cowie. No, no, no! The old dude on the old Yamaha cat that looked like it came out of 1960. I'm pretty sure uh, it was a 600 or something, or maybe it was even a 400, like an old RD 400 cafe racer. It was two stroke? No, it was a four stroke. It, it, it was be an that, RD then. It was that old dude. Oh yeah, that's right. There, those are two strokes. It was that old dude with the long beard. The long—he looked like Gandalf, only he was, like, seven feet tall. And then he was on this, like, tiny cafe racer. I was (laughs) like—it kind of looked funny. There was a—they said it might have been a GPZ,
1: but Brady wasn't
0: sure. It was a Cowie 250. I'm pretty
1: sure that was a GPZ. Were they four strokes? And they're pretty new. He had to import it somehow. And it was kind
0: of rough. I don't know. Dude, it was It was raced, though. It was
1: quick as hell, and they said it revs 20,000 RPM. Yeah.
0: Dude, those little, uh, those little 250 race bikes are faster than people give them credit for. Like the TZs and the oh, TZs and well, the, the – uh, TZ being a two-stroke is comparable to a bigger four-stroke.
1: Yeah. But, but even, even the the Ninja 300 and ca- or the CBR 300s and stuff, they're pretty quick on a track. They're not going to have the straightaway speed, but they have probably more corner speed. They could brake later. They're on the throttle a little sooner. Um, they're actually really quick. Yeah. But that one I bet's hard to ride because you probably got to keep it above 15,000 RPM.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the other thing. Yeah, like I remember uh, the TZ125s being like starter bikes for people, but they were beast. Like you can – they were just as hard to ride as like a 500, you know. Like you could ride them totally different because they weighed about a third. But, um, but yeah, I mean I've heard – I that's why I love this stuff too is you see these crazy bikes that you don't – Yo, I'm going to ride my – Jixer, or i'm gonna ride my cb or i'm gonna ride my ninja you know my zx10 or zx whatever you don't ever see these little weird 400s and 500s that come from all over the world um you know weird little crazy one-off stuff that you had to bring in and there was a lot of that there some of it it was so hard to recognize some of the bikes because they are literally stripped down of oem stuff you know and it's so hard yeah. to go by shape of what it is because well, even no, that's yeah been modified. there's no headlights yeah. or the fairings or general
1: fit fairings
0: or everybody's got different tail sections so it's like hard yeah. to hard for me to tell what some of that stuff was yeah it was pretty cool um what was your favorite part besides my favorite I'm, let me tell you my favorite part real quick the uh the cafe I got the, uh, the turkey meal and a beer, and that had to be one of the best parts of the day. I was like, <laughs> man, because we don't really eat all day when we're there, hardly hydrated. So just having that nice nice beer and uh, eating a big old sandwich out there was pretty pretty spot on to good ending to the day. It's definitely hard. I don't eat a lot when I'm there either.
1: I got a pastrami burger. It was pretty good. Um, <clears throat> I just like riding on the track. It's yeah. just like... To go out and to push yourself and push your bike, um, you know, and, and the things you learn to focus on that you don't pay attention to on the street, but then the things that you don't have to pay attention to, like cars that aren't there. Yeah. it's It's a beautiful thing where you can – I mean it and it's different I guess a lot of people like to ride motorcycles because they're out in the world and they get to see things and honestly there you don't really see much. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz you're not you don't have time you're not looking around. Yeah, yeah. But you you know you're just pushing your ability um pushing your comfort zone um you know it, and that's like to me that's what I love like yeah. I love to oh uh, maybe so last time I I hit you know I I started breaking here um, and it was a little early. So can I break a little later or am I going to get scared and squeeze the lever yeah, again? Yeah. Like, so I don't know. That's, that's what I dig. Um, yeah, she was fun, dude. It just, the bike sounds so good. I,
0: you know, it was easy to take pictures of you. And I was just going to say, if I hadn't been up taking pictures and trying to like do all that, I would have timed you at the start finish, you know? Mm. But, um, but I was trying to get, I was trying to go up and just get a perspective. It was so beautiful out there that day too. It wasn't hot, you know? It can be pretty hot out there in the in the high desert and it was just a beautiful day with no fog or weird wind because it can get windy as all get out. Usually, usually during the uh, Corsa, uh, like tents and stuff are blown away. And the last time I was there with you, some dude's tent was like his whole easy up. Remember it like collapsed yeah. on itself. I, had, I was holding the leg and just, and it buckled as I was holding it, but um, it can get windy out there and that was just such a beautiful, calm uh, sunny, but not hot, you know, it was just perfect. And, um, yeah, it was really, really cool. And, and next time, cause I know you don't run a transponder, but yeah, one of these times when we go out there, I should, uh, go out because I was just going to ask you, do you know if you improve, but you, you know, there's no way to know if you weren't timing it. So.
1: Yeah. And I didn't really time it before. Yeah. So I, I, my writing was not as good this time as it has been the last at least, especially last time I took my duck new bike though. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the time was a little quicker, but um, I just wasn't hitting the marks the same. I wasn't using as much as the track, and I try not to use the whole track. I, I hate those people that are on fucking little slow bikes and they want to use the entire track.
0: You making fun of me? Like,
1: <laughs> did you see me coming out of nine? <laughs> you're not Valentina Rossi. You do not need to go from edge to edge. Yeah. But um, I still wasn't in parts of the track I should have been. Um. And I was braking a little early and stuff like that, but it wasn't, I don't know, to me it wasn't a day to go out and push myself, it was a day to go out and get used to that bike and get comfortable in that bike so that as I do push myself more, I know what that bike's capable of and I I trust it more, you know?
0: It was easy to hear you coming too because you and that other RC had a super distinctive sound, luckily you weren't in the same class, but there was a duck also out there that... Was, they're close. The ducks are similar. But yeah, still a little bit different. He would throw me off when he'd come by, and I'd be ready for you. And then I was like, "Oh, it's a red. It's bright red." And the guy had like white leathers. Yeah. I was like, "Oh, that ain't Chris. You're all, you were all black." So then I would hear another one, and I'd see this little black speck moving down there on the horizon. I'd be like, "Okay, that's him coming up here." and so yeah it was cool i could i could still hear you because your duck was very distinctive too yours yeah yeah was, it was stood out that well, i don't know what exhaust was on it but it had its own like exhaust yeah. note and so your one now is kind of fat and like you know
1: yeah that one was a two valve motor so it makes it even a little different
0: sounding but yeah i had a lot of fun would you do it again <laughs> would you go to the track again i think you are <laughs> Um, and I don't know how many dates
1: picked out yet. I think I'm going to try to do Chuck Walla early in March. Um, my buddy wants to do on Friday that you have like a new rider school. So I might um, bite the bullet and do both. Yeah. But it'd be good. I mean, it's really good. You learn a lot. Um, and I think, it, you know, it's going to make you safer on the track and yeah. make you faster. Um, Chuck Walla
0: <clears throat> is one of those tracks where I would, even if I was a pretty good rider, I think I'd want to do like a. Uh, uh, at least like an in, introduction lab. It's it's one of those tracks that's like got a lot more less, way less elevation, but a lot more like technical stuff to it. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not as user friendly, I think, as Willow. Willow is, even in a car, the first time I went on it, it felt right, you know? I don't know how to describe that, but it didn't feel like yeah. something's tricking you. You have to remember this corner because it's going to get you here, you know, or something like that. It was like, pretty user-friendly where chuck walla i've looked at it and i'm like ah that could kind of get you if you weren't every time remembering that this like uh, that uh, especially yeah. that straightaway where tony crashed is one of the spots that like yeah there's like of.
1: at the end of both sides of the straightaway depending what direction you're or for both directions there's like if you're going clockwise it's like a a left and then a right and if you're going counterclockwise it's like a right and then
0: a left yeah, yeah. it's
1: not like straight into them
0: uh-uh. and so yeah that's one of those things where i'd probably want like a a little heads up, at least a few, a session in the lower group, whatever I qualified for. But yeah, that'd be fun. Um Brady's actually not doing another the track day until a little bit closer to the Corsa, which usually happens in April. And so I think one of the other guys, maybe the track assassins guy was going to maybe do one in March or something like that. Brady, by the way, is working at IMS. So IMS shows... <clears throat> I know they're coming up. I know that he just got back from New York or something like that, and he's headed to Dallas, so he's going to be out of town uh, up until the Corsa. So that is going to be headed up by somebody else. There's not going to be any till then. But um, yeah, Wiggs, you have a track day coming up that we should get to. And uh, before we do that, do you feel like getting into a challenge, bud? Let's do the challenge. All right, let's do this challenge. Ooh. I'm going to blow your mind. He's going to blow my mind. <laughs> And my wallet. He's gonna bring a challenge. He's gonna make a great. He's gonna blow my mind. Into next week straight. Mind blown. Into next week straight. I was kind of trying to lyrically say straight into next week, but it didn't rhyme with uh, what I had said before. So, Uh, man, this week's challenge is the last week of the suspension challenge. Um, Oops. It's the last week of the suspension challenge. I'm sad to see it go. Chris doesn't like the challenges that much um, this time around because he didn't blow me out of the water. (laughs) And the only reason he didn't blow me out of the water is because he didn't cheap like a bird that one time but every other I think he got the pirate uh he was a little off on the pirate stuff too but that's okay. So this is the final round buddy there's one piece of paper left there in the helmet and uh I I here's here's what I decided I think we should do. Last week we did Wigs' way, which we just rolled dice and whoever got the higher one won and didn't have to do the challenge. So this week I want to do a combo of that. I, you know, I've, I've, I need to concede to Wigs. Uh, he's when he's got good ideas. I think when we do it like this, where we do something weird,
1: I'm gonna hate this if it really happens. <laughs> uh huh. Is both of us should pull a piece of paper and both have to do something weird.
0: Ah, oh, that'd be fun.
1: Too bad there's only one piece of paper in there left. Well, I was saying for the next challenge.
0: Yeah. So on this one, I decided here's how we here's how we roll this thing. For those of you that are just tuning in for the first time, we have a challenge. that's not really a challenge. It's an educational piece. But yeah. since we couldn't rely on the on our guest judges uh, for the motor challenge to step up and tell us, hey, who had the actual craziest motor or the most innovative motor, yada, yada, uh, they were three weeks behind us. <laughs> so that's <laughs> no good. So I decided the challenge will be during the challenge. We'll do something fun and funky for all of you to hear while we're actually doing Doing it, and in the meantime, you just get to learn something anyway. And so the challenge will just be whatever we pull out of this helmet. What we do is we roll a dice and it does nothing more than establish a number. Who one person will get obviously a higher, and one person will get a lower. And then we flip a coin, and the coin chooses who will get the curse. But with uh, Wiggins way, He's like, you know, whoever gets the higher number should win or whoever wins the coin toss should win and the other person should have to pull the thing. So we're going to do a hybrid. We're still going to roll the dice tonight to let the coin determine. So we're still going to let the coin determine. But per Wiggins' rules, whoever the coin chooses, it will be the winner instead of the loser this week. And and they can uh, stuff the piece of paper in the other person's ear if they want to. Sounds Uh, good. But whoever wins the coin toss... Is not the grabber of the curse. It is the winner, and the other person will do the curse. How's that? And since it is the last week of the challenge, and Wiggs was nice enough to drive me up to Willow Springs and uh, hang out with me all day while I was uh, annoying and shoving a camera in his face, I'm going to let him roll the dice first. Where's it at? Give me that thing.
1: (laughs) What's that chicken noise for? Well, take up some space. Uh, I, I think I won the dice roll.
0: Well, he got a six, so he is high. And then you made a tie. I made a tie. Let's re-roll. Bad puns. For the nuns. Damn, I got a two. Yes. Well, I mean, it doesn't really matter.
1: You got a five.
0: And I got a five, so I'm just high. So that means heads is high, right? So I'm hoping it comes up tails. So heads is always high. Yeah, yeah, okay. and it comes up tails. So heads is always high, just because that's the only way I could think of. The coin, Did coin it, flips and dice shouldn't have that many rules. I well, I just wanted the dice to establish a number. The coin is the real chooser. It's a double. It's a double uh, random here, so that we're not just going off who's, uh, whose birthday comes first, who gets the highest dice roll. This coin, this comically huge piece of coin with uh, George Washington Carver on the front of it gonna determine i'm gonna do a football flip so that i can't grab it even though like wiggins said it's about 14 inches in diameter i can't grab it and secretly manipulate it with my hands my very tiny tiny smaller than trump hands (laughs) and uh plenty tricks i'm gonna do it football style so it lands on the ground you guys will hear this it's uh quite loud and, and large oh my god heads wiggins I get a. I get to give this piece of paper to you. Oh man! If we had done it my way, Wiggins, I would be taking this piece of paper. I hope you that realize. True. I hope you realize that. So he's reaching into the helmet and he's grabbing this last piece piece of paper. And it all, says, uh, "By week, give it to challenger." Yeah. <laughs> All day today, I was trying to figure out what the f- hell was my- Surf's
1: up, talk like a surfer.
0: Oh, that's what it was. That was <laughs> I like how time. you
1: made them all a while ago, so you don't remember. Uh,
0: yeah, I was like, oh, dude, what is this last one? Is it talking in British accent?
1: All you have to do is say bro and dude a lot. Sure. Or you could say smack the lip.
0: Uh, I was going <laughs> to say, dude, it, I was on the suspension. It was so pitted. Oh, <laughs> You could be that so guy. So, do I go first? or do you, you go first. Go first. Okay. You won the you won the lo- the loss, <laughs> so you going to go first. Blow my I'm mind! Up, I'm about to smack hey, the lip. Listen, with his suspension. He's about to hit the soupy mash with this because so, he he printed out like four pages of manuscript here, and I'm yes. excited to hear about it. Um, so for this week's suspension challenge, bro,
1: I decided. <laughs> uh, I was like, what? What can I pick? What can I pick that'll just blow your mind? And you're never going to guess it, actually. Like, you can't.
0: Righteous. What is it, bro? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I like how you're going to talk like a surfer more anyway.
0: I'm trying to get you pumped. I know.
1: I know. I can tell. Um, it's the pirate so thing all over
0: again. It's I actually.
1: 2.0. I was thinking earlier that this was the oldest form of motorcycle suspension, but I could be wrong. But if you really want to trip out, It's still on every motorcycle. It's kind of fucked up, right? Like what kind of suspension is still on every motorcycle? Bro, is it going to make me pitted? It might. You might smack the lip. (laughs) (laughs) So this is also like a racer thing too. So the suspension that uh, I picked for the week, it was invented in 18... (gasps) Oh my God! Is it going to be my, my birth year?
0: Hold please on. say eighteen. This thing printed
1: out all weird. Please so. say
0: eighteen forty-two.
1: Um, it was technically invented in. Hang on, he needs a
0: fr- he needs a lifeline. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: The first eighteen
0: eighty-eight. The Hey Surfer bro, the actually it was invented you.
1: before that. Unfortunately, it was too early for its time and not for commercial success in eighteen eighty-eight. John Boyd Dunlop of Belfast, Ireland. Oh my God. He became the first or became the second inventor of pneumatic tires.
0: Oh my God. I should have guessed that is a type of suspension. I know. Every 1980s ATC had that type of suspension. They did. But
1: even the VFR has that type, and Spamila has that type, and my Speedway bike that has a leading link and a rigid rear end also has that type. You're right. So it's kind of fucking mind-blowing.
0: Every bicycle... What if I would have done a seat, the cushioned seat, (laughs) seat foam? That's mean, suspension. kind of is. That's just the suspension for the rider. But I I get it. But the tires tires have a lot to do with how the bike rides. Oh, and we were just talking about that. Did we record that earlier? Like traction and all that. Oh, my God. Yeah.
1: I wonder, too. So this was an interesting side note. I don't know if anyone actually knows this. So you had, like, Joey Dunlop, right? Yeah. Who was from Northern Ireland. Yeah. What are the chances he's actually related to – John Boyd Dunlop of that's, Belfast, Ireland. That's
0: what I was going to ask because it,
1: it was it, it's nothing says. this is through uh, Continental Tires. Yeah
0: um son of two biscuits
1: and it, it's not actually for motorcycle tires it's just pneumatic tires yeah yeah for sure So for they, wagons
0: and carts and stuff
1: yeah so i was thinking
0: like oh it's the first form of suspension but didn't covered wagons kind of have like leaf springs on they them they had leather uh did you see my fir- my very first toy out there that stagecoach oh, yeah. has a leather strap leaf spring they mm-hmm. did have they did have so they had suspension so it's not the
1: first form of suspension but it is still on everything now but they also had
0: wooden wheels with iron
1: yeah yeah you know so So that was before the pneumatic tire that
0: was the only way to keep Mm -hmm. your teeth from rattling out you had to ride wagons with your mouths open until that was invented yeah
1: the first one was um rubber tires oh my solid solid rubber um and then that sucked it got you know hard when it was cold and got sticky when it was hot so, um, at least she could r- run through a thorn patch and not pop them yeah child- Charles, sorry, goodyear in eighteen thirty nine was credited with the discovery of vulcanization process, yep, which is when the it's heating rubber with sulfur mm-hmm. um and it transforms a sticky rubber to a firm palatable material, which makes a rubber perfect for tire use that's what she said,
0: and I don't know way, way, way after this, they were white. I thought you were going to say way, way, wave after this. There was some white caps, bro. (laughs) You're getting pitted in this. Oh, man. (laughs) And then they started dying of black. I don't remember
1: what year that was. But, um, yeah, so it started with solid rubber, um, which, you know, to me was just – to me, that wasn't really like the suspension part. The suspension part was the – when they went pneumatic. And they did talk a little bit in this. It was interesting about, um, you know what? I think that should just be a lesson for a different show. So we won't talk about yeah. that.
0: I think you should talk like a surfer.
1: Bro. Bro. <laughs> I think, first of all, it blew your mind. Dude, you smacked
0: my I lip think, hardcore. I think you're pitted. You put a rope on um, it. <laughs> so, Yeah. Bro, I felt like I was on the North Shore there for a moment. Hey, really, a quick aside, and it actually became popular because of bicycles at the time. Dunlop is the official tire of flat track,
1: <laughs> of American flat track. American of, flat track, and th- I think Dunlop is an American tire company. Yeah, they are. But I wonder if John Boyd Dunlop moved to the moved to America. They probably got bought it. at some
0: point or something.
1: They could could be that too. Because yeah. there is also Dunlop. Um, a lot of tennis stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uses Dunlop. And rubber I think, tennis ball. I think it's the rubber. Yeah, it's still yeah. the same. Um, but yeah, that was my interesting, and maybe someone on Dude. Listerland knows, but is or was, I guess, Joey and I don't know the one son's. There's only one son now. I yeah, know. It really, was actually nephew of Joey. It was yeah. son of, oh, man. Robert. Okay. I watched the Netflix documentary. Was it Netflix? The documentary? But it was good. It's very good. If you guys haven't watched, uh, what's it called? now that i'm bringing it up faster no that was the rossi one yeah there's a there's a dunlop documentary i believe it was on netflix and it's really good really entertaining really sad too
0: yeah um you want to blow your mind or have your mind blown by me maybe it just went to a blank screen i know (laughs) that was pretty stupid (laughs) uh but yeah i'm reading his book right now called road racer it's in my blood by michael michael dunlop's story and uh because it, it was is Michael writ- the one that passed away recently. No, it was written when William was still alive, which okay. is the sad. Th- this is only, this book's only a year old, and William died earlier this year. Yeah, dude, that's such. So a, like, it's, it's like, just
1: a bummer because that's your uncle and your dad and now your brother have all died, and you know he's still racing.
0: Oh yeah, he's still like, road he's racing. The, he's one of the fastest kids out yeah. there.
1: Yeah, I mean Isle of Man, Northwest 200, like that's what they do
0: and it, this book is so rad. I wanted to talk about it uh, eventually after I finish it. It's and the, super good. So the far. crazy
1: um Joey was still the uncle. He's the like the legendary one. He's the one that had the plain yellow helmet with like two little black stripes yep. on it. And it's like a recognizable or a black checker or something like that. He said that I think he, it had like a
0: weird like kind of angle stripe down the side. Um, cuz he said on his stuff like, he has a check in and to for his uncle and then something that his dad has his his leathers are an amalgamation of all his oh okay yeah um but so joey won a
1: like world he won isle of man more than anyone i believe 26 the last time was actually on an rc51 um his his memorial i believe he's on an rc51 um you i mean because you can tell by the headlights and stuff because those guys run headlights yeah um but real road racers Yeah, you know, like they're and they're diehard road racers. They're not fans of circuits.
0: Nope. And sadly, Joey and his dad Robert both died on two fifties. Joey and Robert were uh, brothers. Mm -hmm. And then William died on an R one. William was one of the sons, right? Yeah, it was his brother. Yeah, and he has Joey had no sons. Uh, as far I as believe, i I don't, don't believe we've any kids yeah i yeah. don't know they, they talk about their cousins and stuff but i don't yeah but i don't know if it was uh
1: but yeah so i wonder i mean if they're northern ireland northern ireland yeah somewhere the family's connected yeah but um so it's kind of crazy to think of like the people that – are the guy that – it and basically not – he didn't invent it though. Robert W. Thompson, a Scottish engineer, had the first patent of the airfield tire.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Unfortunately, the idea was ahead of its time and not a commercial success.
0: You know, no one in a coal wagon wants to have the yeah. horses pull pneumatic tires, you idiot. So, uh, that's my uh, Australian <laughs> Scottish accent. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Dunlop
1: was the second inventor So – and you know, it doesn't say what year that Thompson uh, actually filed the patent. So the way this is worded, Dunlop may have actually invented it and went to file a patent and been like oh there's already one that exists. Oh
0: dude, I guarantee if you have an idea, if you have an idea for something and you go to patent it, there's already 50. If you think of something and think oh my god, this is the yeah. greatest
1: thing ever, there's I guarantee there's Well, 50 and people will come things. up with they won't know how to do something, but yeah. they'll patent an idea for it. Yeah. Um or you and all you have to do is make some little changes and it's fine, it's weird. I know um one of the things it annoyed me, but when I learned why, it was different. But uh, Lindell Rotors, because I have uh, my my uh, sprocket has outward-facing lug, lug drive, so I can change it without taking the sprocket off. Right, And it took forever, and I'm like, dude, you just fucking cut one. <laughs> um, it was because he was waiting on the patent stuff to come back. And I'm like, it's the same lug drive that he's always had, yeah. but to flip it to the outside, that's a whole new patent. Yeah. So draw
0: it up. You know, yeah, remember the guy off with lawyers, the Mirlock gentleman, uh, Al couldn't tell us about half the stuff he was doing because of patent law. Yeah, you know, he's like, I can't tell you because of the patent the way patent laws are. Um, so yeah, that's dude, that's crazy. That's my suspension challenge for the day, dude. That is mind blowing, and that's one of the most every bike, even when they were all rigid, had uh, when they were, yeah, when the suspension, the
1: quote, suspension was rigid. I mean, yeah you know, from the 1890s up have had You, you had
0: springs, but that tires. was rider comfort because
1: – Yeah, uh, a lot of them have rigid forks, rigid frame, uh, and then it would have springs under the seat. Yeah, and yeah. that's rider comfort, but the tires were even on those rigid ones. And, you know, we talked a lot about yeah. oil good. dampening and piggyback and progressive springs and all that. I mean, that amount of money, if not more, goes into tire technology yeah. because – and what's crazy about it is it's – Tire technology is not only how long does it last, not only what kind of temperatures can it take, what kind of traction do you get, the profile and shape of the tire, because that's going to make a difference, especially at a high level racer. Um, it's also how it flexes, how the carcass moves, how that yeah. kind of thing. And, you know, honestly, on my hooligan bike, I can tell a little bit. I can tell the difference between different tires. I ran yeah. Metis's and I could tell that they were like tall and narrow. Um and I liked it for some things cuz it would almost change my gear ratio from the bike leaned over to okay. the bike picked up. Um I could tell cuz it wouldn't squash out as much as another tire. Well, because when I was leaned over on the edge, it was a smaller diameter. Yeah. And then as I it was it was so much taller than my maxis that when i would pick the bike up it would almost like give me half a tooth at the end of the straightaway compared right. to a
0: maxis right. and it oh, was just
1: interesting yeah there were other reasons that i don't run them mostly they don't seal on my real my rims very well yeah well
0: that's another thing you got to worry about is like keeping well, a bead yeah, well, well cuz i that. run tubeless now yeah
1: aft they have to run tubes Dude. which is good cuz dunlops don't seal very
0: well yeah yet. and that's another thing about tire technology is that supposedly motorcycle uh sidewall they're so hard to get on because the sidewall has to be so much harder if you get a flat yeah. to not just totally well and everything's going to be
1: different yeah. And i mean look at the bicycle industry with tube and tubeless um and actually old road bike which there's still a lot of it for a lot of carbon rims and a lot of pro racers like them uh tubular yeah and there's no dude bead. that was the first surfer thing you'd said you've said in a long time <laughs> Tubular, dude. <laughs> Um, and yeah, the bicycle ones are actually, they glue onto the rim and there's no bead. There's just like a little channel they kind of sit in. Yeah. That's not much of one. And when you air them up, they like shrink in diameter. Yeah. So you stretch them over the rim and air them up and they stay on. Yeah. Trippy.
0: Dude. But, but,
1: uh, really
0: quick aside, Michelin, you know what the name of the Michelin man is? Huh? His name, he has a name and it's Bibendum. And, uh. Bibendum? Bibendum. And uh, Michelin – he was designed – the original Michelin drawing of him was Michelin tires, bike yeah. tires, probably competing with Dunlops. Um, wanted a man to who looked like he was made out of bicycle tires yeah. put in a stack, a yeah. pile. And so that's why he looks like a bubble and they were, wrap. And they were all white at the time. They were. That's yeah. why he's white. Yep. Um the original drawing of him, he looks like it looks oh, it like looks a blob. Creepy yeah, as fuck, it's super yeah. creepy. <laughs>
1: well, not the original drawing, the original
0: costume. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I saw one of the very first like Art Deco posters that they made from that period, and yeah, it looks like a blob, and I was yeah. like, Ooh, it looks like a creature from yeah, like a sci-fi movie. <laughs> they've like softened him up. Oh yeah, yeah but, big eyes now, a smile. Yeah. yeah, none of that shit. He was a creepy looking mofo back yeah. in the day. But yeah, freaking tires. Well, well, surfer bro. Uh, It's time for you to hang 10 because... Sounds good to me. Yeah. uh, My suspension this week is leading link suspension. Something I know you know a lot about. It's something that not a whole hell of a lot of bikes come with. I really don't know much. Really? Uh, You thought you would because your Jawa has leading link suspension. It does have one and I've I've ridden one a lot, but... uh, You know what type of fork it has on it? Sometimes I put another rubber band on it. Bam. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And then you uh, wind it up and off it goes. Um, the only bike we've seen recently, I know you've seen with me that has leading link suspension on it, uh, from the factory is a Ural's. Yeah. Ural's have. Well, and you said bike. Yeah. They're
1: Schmike, sidecar bike. The, the prefix BI yeah, stands for two.
0: That's right. So it's technically, I it's guess, a trike. Technically. Yeah. Technically it is a trike. So the only, le- uh, the only machines uh, with a... Uh, motorcycle style machine, Yeah, the only motorcycle company-made machines that come with a leading link at this point are Urals. I can't think of anything else. Oh, you can retrofit it onto anything, really. I mean, if you can get a an old uh, leading link fork, you can put it on just about anything. And what they are is basically, it's a front fork. A lot of people call them Earl's forks. And uh, Earl's was an actual uh, company with a patent on their forks. And um, it was to keep the forks from being independent. And a lot of British manufacturers at the time didn't like the weird flex and stuff that that we've talked about through this whole challenge. The reason for the Hossix front ends and all this stuff. You don't get the rearward flex. You don't get the side-to-side flex. But you do need a bar to connect the two if you don't want that to happen even with an Earl's-style fork. And basically, it's where the front fork comes down like a pair of parallel forks like you would have on a, um, what's it called? Like on a regular telescopic front. But the part that rocks and does the um, damping curves backward behind the wheel. So it starts to come down like normal, but then it turns backwards and there's like a swing arm that the front wheel goes up and down on. And that could twist and turn if you didn't have it connected. So Earl's forks pivoted behind the wheel and that's what distinguishes an Earl's fork from any other type of leading link fork because there's a whole bunch of leading link forks that aren't Earl's forks. Earl's forks, the patent that Earls had was that the pivot point was behind the rear of the the tire or the or the rim. And some of the other ones called short links like Honda ran them on their first Isle of Man bike in um 1959. And a lot of the old 50s and 60s GP bikes from, I want to say, God dang, what's the name of that company? Grissini? Not Grissini. Um, I forget the name of the company that had, uh, oh, Jalera. Jalera's ran um, leading leading link forks and also like MV's ran them and stuff like that. They were real popular because nobody liked telescoping forks at the time. However... All forks nowadays are telescoping pretty much. And it's because you can invert them and make them stronger and not flex as much by getting the fat part of the tube at the top and all this and that. So there's a bunch of stuff they've done since then to reduce the amount of uh, whatever reason the people are going away from leading link to... um, not needing that rigid of a fork, I guess, you know, but what it does on the leading links, if you have a short link, that's not an Earl style fork, Greaves is another name that might pop up. Um, they have the front part come down and then it hooks back and the part that pivots goes in a U shape behind the tire, but the actual pivot point might be somewhere midway between your hub, the, you know, the center of your hub where your axle is to the rear of the tire uh, the outside rim, the pivot point can be anywhere in between there, but the gre the uh, earls basically looks like a forward facing swing arm with the pivot point behind the tire and the part that the axle goes through being up there at the front, just just like putting a rear swing arm on the front, and so that's you get that benefit. You get like you don't change the diameter or uh, the not the diameter the wheelbase or something like that when you're compressing and going into corners it doesn't change the wheelbase it's like a rigid uh, wheelbase so that's why they like that stuff Um, they were all about that stuff back in the day they didn't like uh, you know you might have brake dive but it wouldn't change the wheelbase or the uh, like trail and stuff like that when you did it. it you're going up and down on the same axis so that's one of the main reasons they did this a lot of old motocross bikes actually have leading link front ends and it's because back then if you look at my Pamela, for instance, dude, 28 or 30 uh, millimeter. I mean, it's, she's like riding on toothpicks. My, my Magna oh, yeah. was the same thing. My Magna. Dude, my CBX is like 37 oh, or 39. Dude, it my Magna and your CBX, it looks like he got this f- walrus that's propping himself up on like two little bamboo canes. You know, like I could see how all that weight and inertia going onto some skinny front forks would make... Anybody's like bee hole twitch a little bit as they were going into a corner or coming down on an old scrambles bike for that matter, back in the days like scrambles bikes, you needed some beefy suspension and I'm sure there was a, enough heartbreak and, and bent forks that they were like, listen, let's do this, uh, let's do this leading link suspension where it's rigid and it's hard. And the only thing that pivots is the actual wheel pivots up and down. We don't have the whole fork sliding up and down in this thing, right? Let's just do this quick pivot thing. So that, it's basically a leading link. It's not quite as cool as a rubber tire. But uh yeah, at least I didn't have what? to talk like a surfer. <laughs> you know,
1: only a few bikes since the early 1900s have had leading links. Yeah. Every but
0: bike Every bike since the 1900s has had pneumatic mm-hmm. field tires. I'm going to change that today. Actually, that's not true. You ever heard of a moose? A moose? Yeah. And I'm not talking about the antlered beast from the great white north of Canada and they're probably living in Russia too. I'm talking about M-O-U-S-S-E like chocolate moose. There are actually things that off-roaders, you can't use them on the street because they'll just melt and grenade but off-road riders to avoid punctures run what's called a moose, which is basically like a, a foamy, uh, not foamy it's like, a, it's like a solid inner tube
1: yeah I've seen them like on bicycles and they were kind of yeah junky It's I, I've seen them on dirt bikes too they dirt bikes and dirt they don't work that they work okay but they're super super hard to get on and off
0: yeah well you shouldn't have to ever take them off until like uh, they they sh- they're supposed to last x amount of miles tear, and then you tire them. wears out which is often there you
1: go but, but what they have now for a lot of dirt bikes they have like that tubeless thing for anti for like to avoid pinch flats and stuff. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah. Yeah. I seen most of the people I've seen using moose is like Baja racers and enduro, enduro racers because they're slamming into stuff all the time. They're purposely hitting stuff and you can't get a pinch flat. I mean, you would literally get one every five minutes if you were using your front wheel to bounce off a rock and then go over it. Like, um, Graham Jarvis, all those, uh, hard enduro guys pretty much use mooses instead of air because, um, Yeah, you don't wanna you're going over rocks, you're going over baby heads, you're going over lot like all this stuff. You you can't afford to get a pinch flat, so they have these mooses in there. So almost every bike, well, let's say ninety nine point nine nine percent of the bikes (laughs) since then have had pneumatic tires, and only a handful have had leading links. All right, Wiggins, you win again. You win. (laughs) You win, surfer bro. I don't know if that necessarily means I win, but sure, I'll take it. Yeah. You win in my book. I'll take a W (laughs) <laughs> well sweet uh i think buddy i'm pretty sure that's uh all the time we got for this week's show um do you have any cool races or anything that are coming up i know you got like a couple track days you got your hooligan uh smoke out january 12th is the veggie play classic is
1: anybody invited everybody
0: is what? invited. can i bring spam on uh
1: no You can come, but there, I mean,
0: you can bring, you can bring Oh, I get it, I get it. Everyone's invited, but not everyone can ride, I see. Yeah, there's just
1: not, we don't have time.
0: I get it, I get it. And then I I swear I heard that, uh, like I said, I wouldn't, not not ramming speed, but there's going to be another uh, sort of classic track day. Um, Um, Streets of Willow with, uh, that was with the Apex Assassins. I like a so, shashings. That's yeah, very surfer yeah. of you to say. He's
1: Apex assassins, bro. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what my next one is for me. I think it might be in March. There's probably some racing in February that I'm going to do
0: for the flat track. The flat tracks. Are you? Um, did you check your mail for any ask wigs or anything exciting I, like that? I didn't see anything. Okay, uh, and as far as I know, I have not got. Um, I haven't got anything from ours either. Uh, I did want to say one thing. If you have something that you want to hear for... Uh, that was the stupidest thing I've ever said. If you, if you have something you want to hear. What the hell does that even mean? That's not even English. If you have something that you want for Christmas and you would like to... Uh, get it out and tell uh, the world about it Um, creative writing has a a phone number that you can call and right now well we're gonna do it for a few weeks but we might make it to where you can call into the show we don't know yet but right now you can call and leave a message and it'll be for creative santa you can tell us what you'd like so that we can get in touch with uh, whoever whatever tradition you have whatever religion you have if it gets presents let us know what you want (laughs) and uh, we'll try to hook you up um they all listen to creative writing. But they all listen to creative writing, that's for sure. And so leave us a message and uh, we'll try to air it. So maybe if your significant other listens, it might be a hint. Or if you did get some cool new gear, um, let us know what you got. And we will review it without ever ever having seen it or touched it. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll give you uh, our, our opinions of it and uh, how we think it'll work. If you'd like to call in, the number is... Area code 740 563 2858. And uh, I'm not going to pick up, so it'll say, Hey, Google Voice will try to connect you. And then it'll take you to the voicemail. So just leave a voicemail, it'll send them to us to the email so we can look at them and read them on the air or play back your message. So make sure you do it in your nicest voice and uh, do it. <laughs> In a pirate accent, whatever you want to do, do it as a surfer if you want to show Chris how to do that correctly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, let us know what you got or what you want, and hopefully, um, yeah, hopefully we can get it on the show or get it out to people if, um, you know, see if they like uh, want to hear it, see if they listen and see if you get what you wanted under the tree. Um, other than that, if you got any really cool, significant sign offs that would. <laughs> Make someone's day or teach someone how to surf you have any good surf advice for anybody?
1: Wear wetsuit.